This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. Call in now and take control of the airwaves. That number's 855-450-3733. And with you tonight, it's Aria. Michael. And Mark. And it's good to be back in the studio. Um, had a little... bit away. Yeah. But it's good to be back. Of course, things didn't stop happening while I was gone. And we've talked about it before on the show that I used to do more regularly called a Freedom Active Shooter Drills. Um, evidently, people have noticed that, you know, they're they're scaring kids. <laughs> yeah, you and I talked about that a few months ago. This is stunning news. Yeah. It is. It, well, it's not surprising. <laughs> no, they, they're designed to terrorize kids and to make yeah. them just absolutely terrified that's the whole point of guns but of course the biggest news coming out of the health sphere that i've seen in the past several days is that researchers have and scientists have discovered a way to reverse aging and they've successfully done this apparently giving somebody two extra years ish or they so they did this in humans yes wow well, how do I get this? How do I sign up? Yeah, where's where's the clinical trial? I want I want to get in on this. I mean, two years I, at forty eight. I don't know how much I've got left here. That's got a, that's a good percentage. It is, and according to Newsmax, uh, scientists reached a breakthrough in a new study by reversing the biological clocks of the test subjects at an average of two and a half years. Now, what fascinates me about this is it is the difference between a fifty year old and a forty seven and a half year old really that substantial? I mean, how are they measuring this? I don't know. Well, you know, I, speaking as someone in my 40s, I can tell you that I I get a few more t- minor aches and pains every year, and they just kind of they're just kind of gradually building up over yeah, time. Yeah, is, I'll, is I'll agree you, with that, but I don't know that that's measurable. Well, the study I, involved nine people who took a cocktail of drugs for one year. Researchers in the study then tested the subject's biological clocks, also known as the epigenetic clock. Okay. Testing it involves examining the DNA. I still don't see what significance something like this really has because I mean I know plenty of 47-year-olds who look like they're 60. Yeah. And plenty of 60-year-olds who look like they're 40. Yeah, sure. So it's going to vary substantially from one person to the next. I suppose that you know examining their DNA is the only way to go about it, but it's exciting news. I had heard, uh, you know, read, I guess, I did a little bit of research on it, that uh, the drug metformin, which is an old uh, drug for diabetes, that they had, you know, they, basically they'd done their control group, that they'd had people with diabetes, people uh, take the drug, people um, with diabetes not take the drug. Not sure what's going on there. <laughs> Sounds like porn. Somebody didn't mute the browser window so, <laughs> so when mm. it comes up yeah it's yeah. a stupid ad when, when you open it up the um yeah so uh there's you've got people who with diabetes that took the drug people with diabetes that did not take the drug and then people who do not have diabetes that took uh that uh, did not take the drug so you've got three groups the group that lived the uh the shortest was the diabetes who didn't take the metformin Shocking. Right. Yeah, shocking. No surprise. The people, the, this is the next one, is, it is shocking. The people who lived the next longest was the group that did not have diabetes and did not take metformin. And the group that had diabetes and took metformin lived longer. So one might extrapolate from this that taking metformin will cause you to live longer 
at the very least um, longer, you know, at the very least as long as somebody with diabetes who takes metformin. Right. But they live longer than they control. Right, which would be right. the people who did not have diabetes. So you and did would, not would you have to have diabetes in order to achieve this effect? That is a question that is left for scientists to determine. However, um, I have heard of people who who saw the study and just started getting their hands on metformin and taking it. You know one. They're in the room with you. So you take this. I do. Interesting. I, uh, yeah, yeah, got, I went to Mexico, got some metformin and brought it back with me and I've been taking it since. I, however, had to cut back recently because uh, when I was in Singapore, I forgot to look for more metformin. So I'm getting kind of low. Uh-huh. That'll so happen. at this point, I'm only at 1000 milligrams per day as opposed to two. But, you know, what gets me all the cool libertarians are doing it. Well, I guess I'm not cool then. Yeah, I'm not cool enough. But well, what gets me here, about- here, my first advice is stop smoking. Thanks. I mean, talk about adding 10 years to your life. Forget about taking I don't want to add 10 years to my life, I know. That's why. I'm totally fine dying by the age of 50. If I live past 50, I will have considered my life a failure. You understand that I am 48. I do. So when you say (laughs) this this cavalier statement about not living past the age of 50, which I made one about, I think, the age of 30, I think is what the, uh, the number was. Uh, that I made a pact actually with some friends that we would kill each other uh, before we reached the age of thirty. Uh, wow, thirty's yeah. a bit low. Yeah, well, you know, it seemed fine when I was sixteen. Sure. And I'm just saying that what <laughs> seems fine when you're sixteen, or I don't know how old you are, twenty-five. Um, that you know, the things that one says at that time sound fine, but they get to be a little later, kind of ridiculous. Is that a fear of death kind of thing? I think, uh, I mean, it's not a fear of death. Okay. Um, Humans, uh, beings, uh, don't fear death. They avoid it as best they can. So I wouldn't, that you know, fear. Well, plenty of people do fear death. Okay. I don't fear death. Okay. I avoid it. And uh, that's what, you know, that's what most people are doing all the time. Sure. I mean, that's what every organism is doing, like, around the clock. It's it's why prisons don't have a bunch of inmates hanging from the fences dead. Right. They would rather stay on the inside See, I would be where one they of could those... live than, than try to climb the fence and die. See, I would be one of the inmates that try to climb the fence and die simply because I find that to be a release from, what, from a prison, yeah. you know? And I have the same perspective about the age of 50, no offense meant, but... Uh, I take more offense at the uh, the prison. Um, I I would ju- jump the fence and die in the prison thing because I think that that statement is only made by people who have never spent any time in prison. Why is that? Because they just don't know how they would react. I, I guess uh, that's a fair point. I've never been to. It prison. was made to me by my uh, stepbrother when he came to visit, and I'd certainly heard it a bunch. And I just don't. I, I just don't believe it. Well, it's hard to kill yourself, right? I mean, that, it's and hard that's to what make you're doing. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, I've got a track record of having made that decision in the past. Okay. I find the point of hopelessness of being in prison, especially if it was like a life sentence or something like that. Well, that's a you know different story. And everybody's got hope. Sure. Even the lifers have hope. They, you know, they imagine that some case is going to come through. There's going to be some, you know, this thing or that thing that happens. And, you know, they hold out hope. For me, it's a question of what you're willing to pay for that hope, though, because uh, the longest time I ever spent in jail was like four days. And if if I had not known that the release was coming, I would have killed myself then. 
simply because uh, it was for me such a horrific existence. I hear you. It I wasn't mean, worth it to continue. But of course, I had things. a very short tunnel to watch that light shine through. So anyway, on the effects of aging, something a bit less, you know, depressing. <laughs> scientists are cautioning that the study was done with a very limited number of participants. Only nine people actually took the drug cocktail, but they but took they just, it for they don't even a, say what the drug cocktail is. They just say that it's a cocktail. Well, yeah, they don't want to say what it is. Okay. Uh, because it's still undergoing testing and they don't want us all because every human being out there would immediately start taking this cocktail. I would. But uh, evidently they took it every day for a year. And it, it undid two and a half years of aging. It didn't slow aging, which is what the scientists expected. It actively rolled Reverse it back. Rolled it back. Yeah. So if you continue taking this stuff for like the next five years, will they gain seven and a half years? Yeah. Good question. Because it Let's seems give it like a shot. Yeah. This is what we've all been waiting on. Exactly. Right? Um, and I don't know. We don't know whether it. Uh, why don't I say this? This that we've all been waiting on is that thing that you can do that will substantially lengthen life to the point that scientists who then have their life lengthened can continue working and create more things that would then substantially lengthen life more to potentially make you somewhere near um, immortal isn't the right term, but, uh, you know, have this sort of unending, uh, you know, pushing the death date back farther and farther. 855-450-3733. What are your thoughts on the aging process and the prospect of reversing it? 855-450-3733. This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. Give us a call at 855-450-3733. With you tonight, it's Aria, Michael, and Mark. And I want to tell you about Bitcoin.com because they launched a trading platform, a peer-to-peer trading platform called Local.Bitcoin.com, where you can buy Bitcoin cash using dozens of payment methods like PayPal, Venmo, bank deposit, remittances, a lot of those will shut you down, but not all of them. Uh, Cash App, I have found, they've actually reinstated my account, so I'm back to using Cash App. Well, good on good them news. for that. Cash Up. Cash, Cash app. app. Cash App. Yeah. It's, a, it's owned by a Bitcoin maximalist, so I imagine if there's going to be any point of contention in the future... It's going to be the over. It's going to be that it's Bitcoin Cash and not Bitcoin. Because Bitcoin Cash is so much better. You've got to get your hands on it. It's great. Visit local.bitcoin.com. All the messages that you send to buyers or sellers, they're encrypted. After the trade is complete, the messages are, um, the keys for the encrypted messages are deleted like seven days later. They use an escrow thing that keeps your Bitcoin in your control. Unless it's in the escrow, but that's stored on the blockchain and not the site itself. It's just absolutely awesome what they've managed to do, and I absolutely love it. So again, go check that out. That's local.bitcoin.com. By the way, if you want to spend your Bitcoin cash on things, you can go to giftcards.bitcoin.com, and the amount of places that you can buy gift cards, for which you can buy gift cards, is exhaustive. Uh, I mean, it's, it's... What sort of rate do you get on that? I haven't bought them. So I hadn't considered it, but uh, I probably should. I know a few years question. ago, I ended up with like some Discover gift cards, and they were $100 each, and I ended up having to take like $65 for each one. It was a really terrible rate, because so few places accepted Discover. 
Okay. Right. So I'm just curious what sort of rate they might have on the site. Well, these are places like, uh, you know, Barnes & Noble gift cards, which sure. obviously Barnes & Noble is going to accept, or uh, McDonald's gift cards, which McDonald's is going to accept. So You, you buy a gift card for where you want to go. Right. Very cool. You can also use purse.io to buy things off of Amazon. That's a really cool service. I imagine. It's save at purse.com is the website. I thought purse.io was also the website. Save at at purse.com okay. is where you go at the very least to sign up. Okay. Save at purse.com. It's an awesome website. Uh, it's what I use to order my safe uh, with Bitcoin Cash, by the way, it to store Bitcoin Cash money. is <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. I love it. It's funny. Being able to shop on Amazon using cryptocurrency is amazing. And I imagine we're going to see more of that kind of thing going into the future. Like there's a website, I don't remember what it's called now, but they sell video game keys for cryptocurrency. What uh, is a video game key? Uh, that's how they do their licensing. Oh. Uh, basically, you need a key to right. run the game. Gotcha. And you can buy them using Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Dash, Litecoin. I think some of them even take Monero. It's a really cool service, and I'm glad those things exist. Yeah, online services are very easy to use the online money for. It's the real-world services that get harder as you, you know, go, as you go on. But That's yeah. true, but we have such little need for brick-and-mortar retail stores these days. As time goes by. Yeah. So speaking of time going by, evidently you can take this mixture of drugs, which if you look online, you can find the actual cocktail that these people took. And what was it? Like yeah, a, over the break, I, I actually found the research paper that and was published. Just to, and just to be fair to Aria here, Michael's a bit of a hacksaw, right? Like he's the <laughs> kind of guy that can really, you know, move fluidly through the internet and find the things that he wants to find. Yeah, um, if it's out there, I can find it. But, but yeah, the, the three the three drugs, I haven't looked as far as to find the exact dosages, but the three the three drugs are named in this paper and I scrolled past them. One uh, of them was HGH. The other one yeah, was... Recombinant met- human growth hormone. Yeah. Uh, Metformin. Metformin is another one. And, and that's the one that you take already, right, Mark? That's correct. Okay. Yes. That's the diabetes thing. Yes. Okay. Dehydroepiandrosterone. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that. Androsterone? Androsterone. Sounds like a, Interesting. a, stero- uh, a uh, hormone of some sort. It, it absolutely is. Yes. Yeah. In uh, Mexico. I imagine I probably can't take that. Okay. Yeah, you might not be able. You're taking uh, hormones now for your uh, transition from man to woman. Right. Right. Um, And that sounds like it would have the opposite effect. It sounds like an androgenizing hormone. I I wouldn't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's got andro right there in the name. That's generally what those things do. Okay. So what would be, what is an androgenizing hormone? Uh, The chemical... Neutering, okay. I suppose uh, something like spironolactone. So, what's it do to somebody like me who? Uh, it would destroy your sex drive. And, oh, swell! Yeah, and possibly keep you from being able to participate in fornication. It's not fornication when I do it. I'm married. Isn't it still no? Okay, fornication well, is sex outside of marriage. Okay, well, I understand what you're talking consummation. about. Consummation. It's then. another. It's another <laughs> word that's similar that also begins with an F. Um, yeah. It's substantially shorter, that word. Yeah, that, that it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know that, I don't know how I would feel about uh, taking something like that, but, um, you know, met, metformina doesn't have that kind of issue. That's good. So the epigenetic clock is measured by the body's uh, 
epigenome. Um, No surprise there. It's a record of chemical changes to an organism's DNA. So I, I suppose, not being a biologist here, I suppose that as you age, there are changes to your DNA as a result of various chemicals or whatever running isn't that your what body. The, isn't the telomeres um, in some way related to that? And, and I mean, that part of your DNA? I don't know. I have no idea. Okay. But as people age, chemical modifications or tags are added to people's DNA. Yeah. And those change throughout their life. So by looking at those tags, a person's biological age can be measured. I see. Okay. How do I get that tested? I, I, I would not have any idea. I'll, Talk have, to your I'll, have, my, I'll have Michael look that up in the break. <laughs> Researchers? Michael, by the way, you should plug whatever website that you do services for people on because, um, you know, I, I can say w- w- Free Talk Live's worked with you for uh, more than a decade. Yes. Yeah, more than a decade. And uh, um, I've never had opportunity to, cl- to complain about your services. So that's, a, that's about as high of a, uh, a high of a compliment as I give. <laughs> I have never had opportunity to complain about Michael's services. Yeah, I try not to give opportunities to complain. So there you go. Please yeah, go on. Plugs on, later. So researchers had actually intended to look at how the growth hormone would change the tissue in the thymus gland, which helps with the body's immune functions and sits in the chest. It normally shrinks after puberty, but they hoped to see whether or not it could be pushed to regrow by giving participants a growth hormone. I see. Now, all of this sounds like ideas a mad scientist would have. I, sure. I have to admit. Where was the study done? Bulgaria? I'm not sure it actually said. Mexico? I'm not sure. An unnamed lab in this Southeast particular, Asia? Yeah, this particular article doesn't say. I see. It's coming from the Daily Mail initially and then the Independent. So I'm assuming the it's United in California. Kingdom. Oh, of course it is. Okay. But well. ev- evidently, you know, you can take these hormones... I think this is probably the kind of thing that's going to lead to a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> now, I say that might. knowing that zombies are a medical impossibility, but something very analogous to a zombie could very well be the result of this sort of meddling with things within the human body. I'm ready to meddle. Especially with reversing aging. Would you take these drugs? Let us know. That number is 855 Bitcoin.com has launched a trading platform at local.bitcoin.com, allowing you to buy or sell Bitcoin cash via dozens of payment methods like PayPal, Venmo, bank deposit, remittances, or meeting in person with cash. There are no ID requirements to sign up for and use the site, and all communications between buyers and sellers are encrypted. Finally, a global trading platform that respects your privacy. Visit local.bitcoin.com to get started trading Bitcoin cash. Local.bitcoin.com. This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. Call in and tell us whatever is on your mind. That number is 855-450-3733. With you tonight, it's Aria. Michael. And Mark. And we've been talking about aging and the, evidently, the biological effects of aging, which is, you know, just a measurement of change over time. Apparently, there's actual changes to your DNA as a result of aging, which allows scientists to measure those changes and determine your biological age and they've conceived a cocktail of drugs that people can take to 
uh, as I understand it, essentially erase some of these tags. Now, does this actually have an effect on a person's physiology? Or is this just their DNA thinks they're younger than they really are? That, I mean, if there's erasing yeah. tags, it sounds like it has an effect on physiology. That sounds like physiology it, to me. It may very well. It depends. It, it is, but that isn't quite what year. I meant. It's okay. like, okay, you can refer, you can reverse the effects of aging by dyeing your hair black too, right? But it, <laughs> but it doesn't make you any younger. That doesn't really change your DNA either. I I, I would have to say that if you're, uh, yeah, I, I, it it seems to me if they're affecting DNA that that's probably part of. The aging process, as I understand the the telomeres, is this little tail on I don't know the DNA or something. And but the DNA doesn't cause the aging, right? The the DNA changes are a result of the aging. So you're changing the result of the aging to one's DNA. I don't know. I just I don't, don't know see, either. Yeah, I would very much love to know more about this. Unfortunately, there isn't a lot more about this. So let's get into the phones. We've got Bad Slave on the line. Bad Slave, you're on Free Talk Live. Thanks, gentlemen. Um, I, you know, you brought this up before, Iria, and uh, and uh, with regards to turning fifty and uh, ending up with a prison term, um, I, it seems to me uh, just a bit foolish to to make claims about a future you you don't even have much of a concept of of what that future is and do you Whether, do you mean my comment about not intending to live past 50 well I, either way i you know i mean well because well i mean no that's will, actually very you different get to that. you will get to that line and 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 my guess is that you'll change your mind about ending yourself at that point Unless, i, did, I course, didn't last time really. in case and you know well i mean over time uh as you age you uh, your your own mind changes. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm I'm 17 years already past, uh, you know, 50, and uh, you know, and I I just uh, it's not that bad. I mean, I've got a few health issues, but uh, you know, I, I, I'm not besmirching. Uh, look, I'm not besmirching anyone's aging, anyone's willingness to undergo that. I'm just yeah. saying, I know myself, I've known myself for a number of years. It is not something what I want know, to experience. What you know is what you think now. Right. And and you, you might be wrong. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not going to argue with you about your claims that you know my mind better than I do. No, I'm telling no, I, you, I'm just, telling I, you I will not live as, to 50. As I've existed both as a prisoner and uh, well over 50. And I can tell you that there's a whole lot of reasons to live in those circumstances. No one's saying, you, uh, look, you are not even being aware of, obviously. Okay, I need you to chill out for a second. I am not saying I'm there chilling. is nothing to live for past the age of 50. I'm saying that for me, the downsides of pursuing life past that age outweigh the benefits. That- you don't know that. You think you know that. I would have to yes, say that, I am not omniscient. Yeah. Um, there you go. So when I, when I was young, I said that I wasn't going to have children. I had no intention of having children. And, you know, I got married. And my wife, she didn't have the same view on having children as I did. And 
she decided that she, you know, it was worth a shot marrying me because she could, thought she could change my opinion. And she basically gave me a uh, an ultimatum at some point or another. Was, Look, uh, you've got to, you know, you got to make up your mind here on this uh, topic, or I'm out of here. And I decided, fine, you can go have a have, you can have a kid, but you got to take care of it. And so we've, you know, formulated a little contract that says, look, you if if it makes noise in the middle of the night, you've got to get up, and you know all that kind of thing. And I was happy to. Uh, support her while she stayed at home and that didn't bother me so there you go we had uh, we had an agreement uh, i got to sleep i had to work she had to get up she didn't have to work and that's uh, the the foundation of the agreement right i did then found that having a kid is an extraordinarily rewarding thing certainly and that i've changed my mind on that topic uh later and so and basically by being forced into it or you know being cajoled into it well i am the tranny with the bright red hair as people like to point out i'm i'm well aware that you know my mind has changed in the past on many many things and it will continue to change in the future but i also am not going to wake up tomorrow morning and be like oh my god brussels sprouts are the worst things ever i know what i like and i know what i don't like and i know hey living past 50 isn't for me in the same way that i know oh living in alaska isn't for me Living at the North Pole, also not for me. Oh, there you, know? you go. It's just a matter of personal pre- preference. You do know that the southern part of Alaska is warmer than New Hampshire, right? I'm not surprised by that. Yeah. But, Vad Slave, thank you so much for the call. To get back into this topic about uh, the actual aging process that scientists seem to have managed to reverse, they are expanding the study now, evidently. They hope to test the same effects with more people through a controlled study with different age groups, ethnicity, and with women. So evidently, all of these people were men, which may explain why that particular hormone, what was it? Andro, what was D-H-E-A. it? DHEA, that's the acronym for it. Okay. And, and I was incorrect about what it does? Yeah, apparently it's an anti-diabetic drug. Okay, so so all, all three of these are anti-diabetic drugs? No, two of them are anti-diabetic. The reason they have two anti-diabetic drugs in here is is because the the, world is full of really fat people. The human growth hormone apparently has a side effect of causing diabetes. Oh. So they put the anti-diabetic drugs in to to counter that. Hmm. Who'd have known? (laughs) Such a bizarre thing. Can't they just invent a hormone that doesn't cause diabetes? The thing about hormones is that that they do so many different things through your body, and if you change the balance of hormones, it goes all over the place. It's not like you can just – it's not like there's a hormone for your stomach, a hormone for your shoulders, a hormone for your hair, whatever. That's not how it works. That's that's true. So – Evidently, some of the drugs are also already being researched in other ways as fighting age-related diseases, uh, presumably like Alzheimer's and stuff mm-hmm. like that. They don't specify, but the discovery of the combined effect of the three could definitely have major implications, not just for the drugs, but for humanity. Indeed. I mean, people would cease to die of old age for all intents and purposes. That's that's the headline that I saw. I, I was reading a different article about this story, and that's one of the sidebars that they had is that uh, apparently they think people may very well be immortal in the future. Well, That I, is a recipe for disaster. 
I do not want to see anybody on this planet. What do you think the consequences are? I mean, I know what the solution is as far as the Democrats are concerned, universal basic income. (laughs) But, um, well, let's solve this problem by giving people who don't have jobs free money. You know, we evolved with a very natural arc going from childhood to adolescence to adulthood to old age. Yeah, I I thought there was a better term for that. Maturity? Uh, I don't know. I I, I got nothing. Retirement? Old age. What we're essentially looking at here is not lengthening the human lifespan. We're not lengthening each one of these categories, right? We're just making adulthood perpetual. Okay. But I imagine that... I kind of like adulthood. I imagine the existence itself is what causes people to become weary of life. That's why you have so many 70, 80-year-olds lying in their hospital bed being like, oh, I'm totally fine with this. I'm going to die, and that's okay. You know, only we'll have 30-year-olds, people who look like they're 30-year-olds, mentally exhausted to that degree. 855-450-3770. Welcome back. This is the this is Free Talk Live as always. Talk radio, you control 855-450-3733. Again, that's 855-450-3733. With you tonight, it's Aria. Michael. And Mark. And my brain totally spaced there for a minute coming back in, but it's okay. So, biological aging, not much more that we can really say about that. The the big news, the big things that we're all anxious to talk about um, is active shooter drills being used, according to... To the New York Times, right? The, uh, when active shooter drills scare the children they hope to protect. What Isn't nonsense. That what the whole point is? It's exactly what the whole point is. Right. I mean, don't active shooter drills always, almost always scare the kids that uh, they're meant to protect? Right. And as I understand it, um, well, they don't tell these kids beforehand that, oh, we're, we're going to do an active shooter drill. No, they make it seem like it's a live Shooter drill. It depends on the situation, but they certainly have done that. Yeah. They've done done them where they don't tell the teachers. And they act like, you know, it's not as traumatizing to go through this as it would be if there had been an actual shooter. But no, all of that fear that you intentionally cause them to feel is real. It doesn't matter. They, they can't reason it away later going, oh, well, it, it wasn't real. No, they, they still are dealing with the trauma from how you terrorize them. To believe that someone was there to shoot them. And they're doing this, what, every month? I don't know how frequent they how are. Fr- I, I don't know how frequent that... I, I know I read the story earlier, and, and they did say that one school was doing these drills every single month. It's... Um, whether they do them once a month or the, once a semester, it really wouldn't make a difference because terrorizing a co- kid is terrorizing a kid. Indeed. And the, th- the thing about it is, though, the vast majority of kids are never going to be in this situation. No, but they oh, will the, be... the active shooter situation? Right. Yeah. But they will be terrified into, you know, seeing guns and immediately going into PTSD-type fits. I'm sure that people are screaming at their radios right now, but we've got to have this, just like they are with the TSA, right? Like, well, at this screw point, the TSA, too. I've got I funny stories about them, by the way. And Indeed. But I want to make the point is, is that... You know, the TSA has been around basically for going on 20 years now. It has never, ever, ever, I don't care what you say, ever caught a terrorist. Nope. 
All they're not you- even armed. What are they supposed to do if they catch a terrorist? These people don't even carry guns. No, I mean, you know, if, if somebody wants to do something nefarious, they can do it in the line at the TSA. I mean, you yeah. know, if you're going to let off a you know, to- toxic gas, kill people in the TSA line, right? That's I mean, not a suggestion, by the way. It is not, but <laughs> it's it's pretty obvious. I mean, it's not like... And they couldn't know, stop you the because they're not armed. The only that the airplane has is that it's a contained tube that falls out of the sky and goes kaboom. Um, but you can still do terrible things in all kinds of other places, and the TSA really only creates its own security problem. Come on, let's be serious what they are. They're a uh, you know, they're an organization that steals your water so that you have to go pay three dollars for water on the other side. That's yeah. what they are. They are a uh, you know they're a water sales program. Three dollars? That's cheap. Now, last week was the first time I'd ever flown because primarily I just have driven where I needed to go. Eighteen hundred mile trip, no problem. I'm just driving, but I didn't feel like doing that, and I didn't have the time to do that this time. So I did have to go through TSA, and it amazes me that anyone thinks that the TSA does anything effective whatsoever. Everything about them was a waste of time. So I wear occasionally a pair of pants called trip pants, right? They're baggy black pants with chains and straps and crap all over them. I intentionally wore these through the TSA because I knew knew it would set off all of their stupid alarms. And Uh it sure enough did. Now, this happened here at Manchester. The guy goes, I just want you to know your pants are terrible and you're holding all of these people up. Ah, I'm oh, holding all these people up. That's exactly what I you, said. I said, actually, I think you'll find you're the one holding all these people up. Right? I bet he didn't like that. He didn't like that at all, but there was nothing he could do, and I was not wrong. Well, what I find is is that people often do blame the non-government worker. Right? Absolutely. I oh, mean, yeah. You did know how things were going to be, so I think it's... Uh, oh, yeah, when I made my clothing choice as a free human being yeah. to wear what I wanted to wear through... Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, nobody ever blames the government for setting up this stupid way to steal people's water. Uh, (laughs) Here's the deal. It's security theater and you didn't play your part. No, and I'm not going to play my part. Uh, At some of them I had to because I went through TSA multiple times because I'm a smoker. Right. And there were two connecting flights, uh, one in each direction. So when I arrived at LaGuardia, I went outside to smoke, which required a trip back through TSA. I noticed that the only ones who required me to take my shoes off was LaGuardia. I didn't have to do it at Memphis International or in Manchester. Hmm. I don't know why. Uh, Manchester required me to go through that stupid machine that you have to stand in that examines you for hot points. I didn't know, but evidently you can opt out of that Hmm. and just go for the pat down, which would have saved me time because they did that anyway. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, so, so go the, through the machine the and then pants? get patted yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, it was totally ridiculous. There was no positive aspect to it from even the loosest security standpoint, right? They they had no idea. I took my Nintendo Switch to play it on the, on the flight. They had no idea what it was. It says Nintendo Switch on the back. They scanned that thing so many times, I was shocked to find that it still worked. <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, these x-rays and crap, they have to be destroying this thing. Because they just could not identify what it was. I was like, open up Google, and you will find it. Not to mention, my purse um, also has lots of straps and metal things on it. So oh, of basically, course. Yeah, I, I didn't wear any piercings, but I wanted to. <laughs> I shudder to think where you might have had them. <laughs> 
Oh, you would be correct. Dear God. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think you have a responsibility to dress in a certain way when you go through TSA, but the reality is that, yeah, they're going to, you know, give you trouble and all that stuff. This only they happened at be Manchester ready. at 4 o'clock in the morning. I was holding up maybe three people, yeah, and I wasn't the one doing it. The TSA was. Well, yeah, they, they should have a system for dealing with somebody who might have, you know, not be wearing the right clothes or whatever um, without holding other people up. That's just bad systems on their part. Yeah, but everyone has to go through the stupid machine and take their stupid shoes off. And, but I was the only one who had their baggage scanned multiple times and got patted down. And it was just all around hilarious. Absolutely no point to it whatsoever because any of those people could have taken anything onto the flight that they wanted. What, I, how could they? Well, they just. I don't know how invasive their body scans oh, are. I see. But. Um, I did watch the. I did get the privilege of watching them go through people's luggage at Memphis International, and even without being able to open some of the packages and identify what was in them, they sent people through as they were going through their luggage because something had tripped their system or whatever. So they do have very small handguns uh, that uh, fold up and these sorts of things. So yes, do they? that's possible. Um, I mean, I don't know what you're going to do with a little, you know, single shot 22 on a on a plane. If you're trying to hijack a plane at this point in the United States, you're going to get tackled and libeled. You're liable to be killed. And a no. little 22 isn't going to save you from that happening. No, no. Uh, the, the whole thing is just completely useless. I, I was shocked to find I did get behind a Karen, though, as I was going through it. And Uh-oh. she was so hostile about everything. Right. Because how dare these people do this to her? And you could see it. It was like permanently etched on her face how unhappy she was about the entire thing. But nobody nobody was disputing the, quote, rightness of the government to subject us to it in the first place. Nobody was standing up and saying, hey, people, this is, re- this is absolutely absurd. Well, and what was her complaint if it's not uh, that they shouldn't be doing this? She didn't voice a complaint. She was— oh, she Just hostile. Oh, yes. Well— uh, it's hard to describe, but if you had seen her, you'd be like, yep, that's Karen. For yeah. those that don't know what a Karen is, this is uh, somebody who's in their late 30s to uh, early 60s, and they have a short haircut, and they're sort of the uh, archetype of the woman who asks to see the manager. Yes. I but see. see, when it comes to the government, she is the manager, or at least so she believes. Yeah, that's what people believe. And that's people what makes they her, are the government. That's what makes her all the more interesting. Mm. So she she was just being all passive aggressive then. Uh, no, she wasn't even being that. Um, it was her demeanor. You know, uh, it's, it's hard to explain, and I'm not going to take the time to attempt to explain it. But yeah, she just was foul mooded. She was unhappy with everything. It was her her baggage that actually got searched and everything pulled out. It was very very amusing for me to watch. But and I wasn't standing up and saying, "Hey, people, this is ridiculous." But yeah. It was absolutely ridiculous. I can't imagine anybody who's ever actually flown under the TSA continuing to operate under the belief that the TSA does anything positive whatsoever. It's absolute theater. I agree. What do you think? 855-450-3733 or use the Discord call-in lines, which you can find over at discord.lrn.fm. Again, that's 855-450-3733. Hey, everyone. This is Charlie Shrem. You've seen me on the Netflix documentary, Banking on Bitcoin, and the new best-selling book, Bitcoin Billionaires. I want to invite you to join me on my new show, 
untold stories for a deep dive into crypto history with the people who made that history. Together, we'll explore the personalities and events that gave rise to Bitcoin and the crypto revolution, the innovation, the collaboration, the battles, and the busts. You'll have a front row seat to the early days of crypto up to today, and you'll hear from the folks who lived through it and survived to drive this movement mainstream. Untold Stories looks back to reveal what inspired some of the greatest minds on Earth to come together to create this technology and change the future for everyone. So join me and my guests, the techies and the traders, the entrepreneurs and the innovators, as we explore our past and understand what that means for the future. Listen now on UntoldStories.com. That's UntoldStories.com. This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. Take control of the airwaves and give us a call at 855-450-3733. And with you tonight, it's Aria. Michael. And Mark. And we've been talking, well, we started to get into school shootings and uh, the actual real prospect that a child may one day face them being actually a relatively low likelihood event. Infinitesimally small. However, the... The, the the practice for it is terrifying. Uh, absolutely. I, I can't right. imagine what 100%. it must be like to be a child cowering under your desk, crying, believing that somebody is wandering your school with a gun. In and the some only cases, th- they do these, uh, these, these tests in a very realistic fashion, and the kids don't even know that it's not true. Yeah, that's got to be... Among the most traumatic things a person can endure. Well, not especially just traumatic, at that age. but it's clearly, transparently intended to create as much fear as possible so that we get whatever the uh, program is the government's going to shove down our throats yeah. to handle this problem. Now, this is this is not like your, your fire drill that you grew up with where everybody went outside and, and nobody, nobody was really traumatized because everyone knew it was a drill. This is uh, this is more like duck and cover, only worse. So after the first day of school at Mark T. Sheehan High School in Wallingford, Connecticut, Mackenzie Bushy, man, there were a lot of names in that sentence. Could they not have rewritten it? A 15-year-old junior came home upset that a teacher enforced a no cell phones policy by confiscating students' phones before class. She needed her cell, Mackenzie told her family last month, to notify police should a gunman attack her school? And also, she said, to say my final goodbye to you. Mark, you're, you're the only one here who's a parent. Uh, yeah, okay. How would you react if your child said that their teacher confiscated their phone and they weren't happy about it because they needed their phone to alert the police and to give their final goodbye to you? Um. Well, if... My if my school did something like this, like some kind of fake, uh, you know, terrorist drill thing, I would pull my son out. This is the short answer. What if it was too late and this had already happened? Um, I'd be angry, but what are you going to do? I mean, you know, you're going to you're going to try to straighten out the government school system. (laughs) 
Good luck. I mean, parents have been doing that for, I don't know, 200 years now. And look what we got. Of all the parents whose whose will and intelligence and time is thrown on the pyre, the altar of public education, what has it resulted in? New math? Right? Um, yeah, my, you know, well, uh, while I was in Mississippi, school shootings. <laughs> while I was in Mississippi, I looked at ah, the, the school to prison par- pipeline. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's nothing good. The schools keep getting worse, ladies and gentlemen, worse. And that's Somehow. hard to do because the schools were already bad. Right, they're you know? already right. Like, would, they're they're the you're forced to pay for the worst school. In a given geographic area for a given grade. Now, I don't know how else to describe it because I don't know, you know, <laughs> wherever you are, you're paying for the worst school to be continued. Why? I don't know. Because, because that's the only way you the can government. fund a worst school. Yeah. Right? The better schools, they don't need to rob you to pay for them because they're offering a better service. But the ones offering the worst service, like the United States Post Office versus just about any other carrier service, offers the worst. Right. You're not forced to send your kid to this crap hole school, even if it's a good one by comparison to the other crap hole schools. That's just like holding up the kid who won the Special Olympics and pretending like he won the real Olympics. Okay? I mean, the best school in your given geographic area is, well... Either there isn't a private school in your given geographic area, but I mean, you know, even if your government school is good, it's still worse than likely the best private school in your given area. Absolutely. So if you were able to keep the money that you're forced to spend uh, to send to that school, then you might be able to afford to send your kid to that government school. Well, I doubt it. And I ran into this a lot when I used to actually seek out people to discuss this with them. Is that, you know, at the end of the day, the cost of this public education system to the average parent is something like 30, 40 bucks a year. While a private school is going to be substantially more expensive than that. And it's because they're socializing that cost, not among every parent, right. but among every single working adult. I'm trying to understand that, though, where I live by no means is the well, see, I, I i was living in mississippi when i argued with okay. these people i see so uh basically what you're yeah all, all right i mean i suppose it makes sense if you're if you're talking about someplace where it's uh you know cheaper or whatever i don't know but um in new hampshire at the very least i mean the amount i paid in uh to to the school would have been sufficient to pay for a the only private school that was in my town besides really? this school. It would have been sufficient to pay for that uh, tuition. It was a religious school, and I wouldn't be interested in sending my kid to a Seventh Day Adventist school. So it was likely subsidized by the church to some extent, but sure. nonetheless, it was true. And I mean, it would have been a better education, religious sentiments aside. And I mean, the religious sentiments are there in the Mississippi public education system as well. So there you go. Yeah. But Mackenzie's mother, Brenda Bushy, blames her daughter's fear on monthly active shooter drills at her school. I understand they're trying to think about the children's best interests, said Miss Bushy in an interview, but you can't help but think about how it's affecting them. Well, yeah. They are not trying to think about the children's best interests. No, this is not about this is not about the best interests of the children. They're scaring the children. I mean that that's what this boils down to. In what world is scaring the children in their best interests? Well, I, I think government world. People may believe this, right? They're they're you know parents. Well, that, people believe in Santa. 
I understand. Uh, I'm only defending the notion that uh, that they might believe it, right? So people will send their kid to the county jail to be walked around the county jail to say, see what this could be like. And then, um, you know, that's, that's going to be good and scary for the kid. Um, for instance, I used to work when I was in prison. I used to work these. What I call we call it scared straight, but it wasn't. It was called Operation Turnaround, and right. I would do a speech to these kids and explain to them, "Hey, you know things aren't so great in here, and you probably should, uh, you know, forget about those those hoodlums you're hanging out with, and uh, you know, go on with your life." But whatever, I'd give them a little speech, and and off they'd go. But yeah, I would the- suggest that's fundamentally different, and it would be more anal- analogous to you taking a knife. And holding it to this kid's throat, saying, if you don't straighten up, I'm going to slit your throat. Yeah, well, I certainly wouldn't have done that. No, no, because that's a, that's a grievously <laughs> immoral, horrific, monstrous thing for one person to do to another. And yet that's exactly what the public school systems are doing with people's kids every single day. And they're acting like, oh, no, this is to protect our kids. I'm sorry, lady, but running a car at your child at 50 miles an hour, telling them if they play in the street, they're going to die is not a positive thing for your kid. And neither is having your kid cry underneath their desk once a month, believing that a shooter is there to murder them. You'd think they'd get used to it at that point, which then makes the drills less uh, useful because they don't think they're uh, like when. A f- so a they're desensitizing people's kids to trauma. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what they're doing. They're yeah. traumatizing them so much that they become numb to it. I don't know. That's an improvement. It's not. <laughs> no. If you're going to have a drill, have a drill. When we call active shooter, you do this, this, and this. You know, prepare that. But don't pretend like it's really going on. And what does it matter? You know, what? Uh, honestly, I, and I realize that I'm a bit nihilistic. This but, is for the cops to break out their toys and play. Well, it's not even that. I mean, what benefit is it for the kids? How many lives is it really going to save to do this? Zero. I have no clue. Um, I mean, surely there's something that one can do in a classroom situation. Yeah, pull out your own gun and shoot the shooter. Yeah, that'd be nice. But in many cases, they've outlawed that idea. They, we don't want to make sure that law-abiding teachers can have guns. We want to make sure that law-abiding teachers don't have guns. So the only person in the entire building is some crazed lunatic with an AR-15 running around shooting 10-year-olds. For God's sakes, we want the people with guns kept 15 minutes away so that all the, the shooter can run out of bullets by the time they're done. No! We don't want to give teachers little old school barms handguns. This is a terrible idea. As a matter of fact, let's blow the idea up as though, uh, and pretend as though they're just going to hand out guns to every teacher whether they like it or not. Let's make this ridiculous i mean you cannot reason with this kind of mouth breathing This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. Give us a call. Let us know whatever is on your mind with you tonight. It's Aria. Michael. And Mark. And Mark, tell us, tell me about Balance of Nature, because I'm not familiar with that yeah, one. Yeah, um, Ian and I have been taking this for a short period of time now, trying it out. And it's, it's a supplement, right? A lot of people are taking control of their own health. They want to make sure to avoid the uh, pain of getting sick the loss of time at work, and the costly medical bills. Good nutrition is 
the key to looking and feeling great. However, eating right all the time can be a challenge. Travel and work schedules can get in the way, or you may not have the desire or time to shop and cook the right foods. Balance of Nature has the solution. With just three of the Balance of Nature fruit capsules and three of their veggie capsules, you get ten servings of fruits and vegetables. Obviously, it's Good dehydrated. Lord. You'll have to get your own water. But, uh, yeah, it's it, it, it's it, I've been taking them. I always got my fruits and vegetables anyway, but the answer to that, to you know, my thought on that is, is no one's ever said to me, well, you're eating too many fruits and vegetables. Yeah, like it's never been said. Uh, eating too many of other things, yeah, absolutely, but not sure. fruits and vegetables. There's no, almost no, no calories to that. Yeah. But uh, here, uh, many people are reporting uh, their skin looks better and bags under their eyes go away, an increase in energy. Body pain is reduced or goes away, getting sick less or not at all. You can go online and become a preferred customer, which gives you the best pricing and free shipping. And after your third month, Balance of Nature will ship to you at no additional charge an additional set of the fruits and veggies. This is a limited time offer, so don't wait. Go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code FTL. It's balanceofnature.com, coupon code FTL. I've been taking it. Everything seems fine at this point. Balanceofnature.com, coupon code FTL. Very cool. I'm going to have to look into that. Yeah, Riley Blake, uh, I don't know if you're aware of him. He's the guy who puts yeah. together the digest. He he works for the company. Okay, very cool. So people are generally confused about school shootings and what their purpose is. And it's because, you know, the, the government puts them to us as some sort of beneficiary thing. Now, I understand uh, fires are not terribly unlikely things. Uh, so a fire drill is, I guess, it, actually, no, I have to, fire drills are completely and totally useless as well. All of these drills are because well, when there's an actual fire, people are dumb, panicky, stupid animals trying to break each other's necks to get out the door. I would disagree with that statement. So a fire drill, uh, you let everybody know this is a fire drill, which is completely different than many of these active shooter situations where they, where they we do were never not- told it was a drill when we did fire drills in school. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah, we just heard the bell do the three alarms or whatever it was, or tornado drills as well. They would always wait till it was storming, too, for the tornado drills. (laughs) Oh, that's nice of them. And they never were like, hey, this is a drill. Wow. I, I don't I don't know what they did for you, but yeah, all all we ever did was the fire alarm went off and we just got up and went outside. Yeah, so um training sure, absolutely. That train you you train over and over again and you'll do things correctly. I don't think you should terrify kids that there are uh there's a there, there's a madman running around the school shooting people. Uh, versus, and I also don't think you should, you know, put some flickering lights outside the window of the classroom and then say fire, you know, and, and do your fire drill that way. You should say this is a fire drill, and this is what we do during fire drills. We line up, we go to the, you know, whatever. We go stand out this far from the school, and this is our rally point, and we wait until the uh, the alarm goes back, and we go back in. I, I think there's nothing wrong with a drill where you're just drilling to know that things aren't real. In the same way that soldiers drill uh, for battle, and they know that no one's going to come after them in Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, right? My distinction would be that the soldiers have opted for that, though. I mean, they 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 literally volunteered, at least in this point in time in American existence. Uh, all of these soldiers there, they volunteered to go into these situations that they knew would could be traumatic. This is not true of children. 
Well, it's not true of the children. I mean, their their parents know, hopefully, mostly, what's going on in the, the schools. Yeah, but the parents are stupid. They're like, I know this is to protect my kids, but I think it's overboard. You you, you dumb bitch. This is not to protect your kids. I, I, as far as I'm concerned, parents have to be able to, have to be able to, raise their kids in the manner that they... Uh, you know, feel is best. And most of them are generally going to do what they're told to do, because that's the sort of social beast that we are. The idea that, however, that people have to pay for this, that fundamentally disagree is what mostly is my problem. Like, I can say, yes, it's a bad idea. Um, you know, well, I wouldn't do that. If it was a private school, for instance. Sure. And they're doing active shooter drills where it's like, oh, well, you know, we, we brought in this guy. Literally, this has happened. Police departments have sent in their police officers and basically, you know, took hostage a classroom. Yeah, we, we covered one of these on uh, Call to Freedom once. Uh, the school system was actually schooled for it. It was appealed all the way up to that state. I think it was Ohio's Supreme yeah, Court. I think it was Indiana, but yeah. And I, the court was like, oh, no, the purpose of this is to terrify the children. If we're going to make this terrifying, it has to pre- be perceived as real. Success. Yeah. Well, um, if a private school was doing that and I didn't have to pay for it, my reaction would probably be similar, which is this is a terrible idea. It's a terrible idea for a cop to come into your classroom and shoot the teacher in the back of the head with a pellet gun. Did that happen too? Yes. I would go even further and say it's not just a terrible idea. It's actively immoral. So... Nearly every American school now conducts lockdown drills. 96% of schools in the United States, public schools, do this crap. Law enforcement officials and many school administrators say they are crucial for preparing and safeguarding students. But look, this this is a stupid drill, right? You could just as easily drill for, okay, some armed mugger breaks into your house and puts a gun to your head. What do you do? There's no drill you can do that's going to change that situation and the fact that you're about to eat a piece of lead. Well, I suppose you could have things that, as opposed to a drill, you could probably have some things set up uh, in advance. You know, you could have uh, firearms in the right location. You could have cameras. So you can say, hey, look, uh, home invader, you can shoot me, but let's not forget that you're already on film. Like it's all. Well, I would agree, but you film. don't need the drill for that. Yeah, right. You don't. But you can. There are precautions you can take, and a drill is a precaution. In the case of a fire drill, which is what I keep coming back to here, yeah, absolutely. Practicing, I, I believe, practicing a fire drill um, ahead of time is a good idea because kids are likely to retain some. The furthest uh, I would say is that it's not a bad idea. Okay, but I'm not sure I could agree that it's actually beneficial. All right. Well, I can't recall a school ever catching on fire. No, we always hoped. I mean, every time we had one of these drills, we were outside going, man, I, re- I hope it's on fire. Is that smoke? Is that smoke? And it never was. It never was. No. These schools are built with concrete blocks. They don't burn. Well, I'm, a, 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 a building can burn that's made out of hot concrete block. There's uh, certainly parts well, that Well, the Chicago burn. fires of the, I think, the 19th century kind of prove it, don't they? Well, well that was all wood. Yeah, I would, th- would have thought that was wood, too. I don't know the answer to that. But um, I, would sa- I will tell you that uh, in my town, the fire department caught on fire. Fire station caught on fire. That's so, epic. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> that, yeah. yeah it was, it was so, <laughs> methods on how to do these drills obviously vary from one school to the next, from one sheriff's department to the next. But evidently, what people are doing is that there's this whole new industry emerging where people who don't know anything about kids are jumping in and adapting protocols for groups like business owners. You want more customers? Accept cryptocurrencies. 
There's people all around you just waiting to spend money at your store. If only you would take it. I know, you've been waiting till someone else makes it easy. Well, good news. HelpMeTakeBitcoin.com adds Bitcoin to your point of sale. Totally free. Use the same equipment you already have, now with Bitcoin. And unlike credit cards, there's no fees. Let the guys at HelpMeTakeBitcoin.com bring new customers to your store. HelpMeTakeBitcoin.com This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. Give us a call at our toll-free number, 855-450-3733. With you tonight, it's Aria. Michael. And Mark. And we've been talking about school shootings and the relatively low likelihood that any of this is ever going to actually happen to any of these kids who are essentially just being traumatized for nothing. But so the news media attention and policy debates surrounding school shootings and the heartbreaking details of massacres like Columbine, Sandy Hook, and Parkland heighten the perceived risk among parents and students alike. No, uh, see, parents are in turn heightening, heightening the perceived risk among their kids. The kids aren't sitting around watching the news to find out about all of these school shootings. That's the parents who are doing that. So I guess in this particular scenario, the parents are, by and large, responsible for a lot of the terrorism. Because I I, I was in school when Columbine happened. I was way too young to give a crap, but I was in school, and it wasn't something that even sort of I knew about it. But it's not something I sat around thinking about, dwelling on. It was the parents. Just something that happened to happen elsewhere. Yeah, it was the parents freaking out and talking about it as though this was some horrific thing that was likely to happen to everybody that caused it, you know, to become more than it really was. And that's not to say to, you know, disregard the tragedy there. Yeah, the death certainly occurred, but um, you know, still the likelihood. First off, um we re- we read a story from the Foundation for Economic Education recently here on the air, and it points out that gun deaths in the United States are going down. Gun homicides in the United States are going on. There's an important difference there, right? A gun death, there's three times as many gun deaths as there are gun homicides because people who wish to commit suicide are successful when employing a gun in some cases in the United States. And you may want to stop suicides or whatever you want to do, but that really should be removed from the situation about talking about guns, guns and gun safety and all that stuff. I mean, like that's a it's it's really an entirely different conversation. And, uh, you know, gun. So gun homicides going down like markedly. But we, you would believe by listening to the media that. Things are getting worse and worse out there, as it were. And well, that's the media's job, isn't it? Yeah. Is to find the worst things that happen on any given day. If it bleeds, it leads. One time I saw, I can't remember, I think it was a weatherman, but, um, but maybe it was just a regular map. And it literally had, like, fires in California. It was a map of the United States. Like, California was on fire 
There was a big, you know, tornadoes shoved in the middle of the the country. There was, you know, uh, blizzard stuff going on in the upper uh, portion of the country. There was, you know, like uh, some hurricane thing happening in Florida. These people's job is to give you the worst news possible, and they're getting better and better at it every year. That's what that's what brings people in. That's what gets the ratings up and gets their subscriber count up and, sure. and pleases the advertisers. So evidently, uh, after the shooting last year at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, uh, nearly 60% of American teenagers said they are very or somewhat worried about a mass shooting at school. Well, then stop uh, going to school. Yes, uh, that's what I did. It worked out pretty well for me. I would. How argue. did you stop going to school? I just stopped going. Okay. I, so you, you I don't, don't want to do this anymore. You don't have a high school no. diploma? No, I have a college degree, though. Okay. But yeah, public- How'd that work out? How'd you get a uh, college degree without a high school diploma? I took my GED. Okay. Well, it's, it's kind too- of like a diploma. I mean, I guess, except it's easier to get. Um, I mean, when you're a genius, it is. It's- <laughs> if you're stupid, you kind of need to stay in school because well- that's the only way you're going to get that sheet of paper. Agreed um, that uh, it's easier to get the sheet of paper by staying in school than it is to take the GED. I, I too, took the GED, but I also graduated high school. Um, it's a strange story. Sure. And probably not worth telling. Uh, it's, it's The payoff isn't nearly as good as the uh, um, you know that, that part of it. So anyway. Um, Came to find out I didn't even need my GED, though. To go to college? Yeah, because my ACT and SAT scores were high enough anyway. Right. I think that in a lot of cases, if you want, you know. I can assure you that if you go get a college degree, no one's ever going to ask you for your high school diploma. I've never been asked for my high school diploma for anything, and I don't have a college degree. The high school diploma is, best I can tell, a worthless sheet of paper. I understand why they You're not ha- wrong. Why they have, uh, you know, like, uh, yeah, it'd be really good if people could get, uh, you know, this uh, arithmetic down by, you know, the 13 years that gov- the government has their kids. Uh, it'd be really nice if they could get reading. Mind you, 19% on average of government school graduates are functionally illiterate. So that's basically one in five. Now that number has been going up. Well, yeah, and I mean, it just goes to show you how worthless the piece of paper is. They tell you it's very important to get this piece of paper, and really the only thing they do there is make sure that it's hard for you to get a job for the for 13 years, right? It's like very it's, important you pay for public school, too. It's middle-class welfare babysitting day prison is what the government schools are. Because it's middle-class welfare, because middle-class people take it all the time. Many of them would never consider sending their kid to a private school. For one, they're getting robbed on the regular to pay for it, so they might as well take advantage of it. And I understand that. There's also this myth that private schools are significantly more expensive than they really are. I mean, most people have never actually looked into the cost of sending their kid to a private school. They just assume it's going to cost them fifteen, twenty thousand dollars a year. Yeah, I think that's what they assume. And private schools can cost significantly less than that. And many of them have uh, financial aid in order to get you in. They want you. They want your kid there. Because remember, if they but if they're using financial aid, they're a government school. No, they um, they can have their own financial aid for their that's own. That's true reasons. for like, churches and stuff like that. Okay, good yeah. point. Um, so, for instance, let's say their class size is twenty people. If they have 19 students, what is the point in them not having that 20th seat filled? Right. I mean, at that point, marginally, it doesn't make a difference to them whether or not your kid is paid or not. 
So they'll be happy to give a certain amount, a certain discount. And they want to show the community that they're bringing in, you know, poor folks and these kinds of things. And also, let's not forget the opportunity of doing homeschooling. I don't know how many people I know who uh, whose the, the wife stays home and they send the kid to government school. I don't get it. We homeschool Jack, and it's not that hard. Here's the dirty little secret. No, it just requires parents to actually put effort into raising their kids instead of just slapping them in front of a television for six and a half hours a day. I swear to God, I, I think you could homeschool a kid by slapping them in front of a television for six hours out a day. It couldn't do any worse than, than the public school system. You really couldn't. Uh, I mean, that's. But, I knew how to read and write before I started kindergarten, and video games were the reason why. Well, I, we got Jack the uh, your your baby can read kit. Uh, I think it was the baby reading kit. Uh, anyway, it was one of the it was a knockoff of the your baby can read kit. The and it was it's the CSA method, flashcards and some videos. He never got to watch any TV besides those videos, so he actively consumed them, and they were teaching him how to read. And by the uh, there's a video of him at like 16 months on YouTube reading these flashcards wow. a little baby reading them and you know he gets some of the flashcards wrong but he gets the majority of them right and people often say well that's not really reading is he like he can just look at the word and know what it know the noise to make well yeah that's what reading is <laughs> yeah that, that's literally right. what I, it I'm is. looking at your shirt here and I see three words Rick and Morty what did I do other than read when I looked at the words and said the noises that those words make. I, you know, I it's it's so a lot of people are confused about this. I remember seeing somebody arguing that elephants were more uh, intellectually developed than humans because they have a noise that they make that means, hey, there are bees here, let's leave. And somebody commented, they're so much more smarter than us. How come humans don't have this noise? And somebody else pointed out to them, we, we do. do. It it's goes, called, there hey, are bees, bees here, here, let's, let's leave. leave. <laughs> <laughs> so I think a lot of people are just confused about what reading, writing, and speaking actually are. And I think some historical context on this would be great, like when literacy was first spreading through the developing world back in the, you know, the BCE era, it was people spreading it and impressing other people. They called them trapped words. You know, you're you're seeing these words and you're sort of releasing them. Yeah, they're written down, right? Um, I'm going to post that video of Jack in the Discord room. Go to discord.freetalklive.com to see it. You can also use the call-in lines there. This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. Call in and talk about whatever is on your mind. That number is 855-450-3733. With you tonight, it's Aria. Michael. And Mark. And although we've been talking about uh, school shootings, let's go now to the Discord call-in lines. We've got Jordan calling in from New York, who is listening on freetalklive.com. Jordan, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, everyone. Hope you're doing well tonight. Yeah, what's on your mind? I uh, just wanted to talk about this whole um, THC tobacco that's going on with uh, vaping and the deaths. Have there been life. deaths as a result? Uh, you're, you're referring to the recent news headlines we've been seeing about people developing uh, mysterious lung illnesses as a result of vaping, correct? Yes, yes. It's a uh, type of uh, ammonia, ammonia. Um, that's uh, something's damaging the lungs. It's using the vitamin E accelerant. 
but mostly what we're seeing from what I can tell is that it's uh, THC cartridges that are on the black market. And um, interesting. Now, my understanding Uh, from from reading the news this weekend is that uh, some black market THC cartridges had uh, vitamin E acetate added to them, which is not a normal component in a in a vape, either tobacco or cannabis. And that this is this is fine to eat. But when it's inhaled, it just turns into an oil in your lungs. Correct. Yeah. Okay, so that's what all the that's what the source of all this has been. Is these uh, marijuana cartridges that have had this vitamin E supplement put in them? That's what uh, it sounds like. Yeah, from my understanding, that's what it sounds like. Um, you know, I guess. So this doesn't even so, affect people who vape tobacco. Well, that's not tobacco. It's uh, nicotine. Nicotine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for no, every- thanks for the pedantry, Mark. Well, it's really important. <laughs> I mean, well, the, 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 look, the Democrats are banning this stuff, tobacco products, including vapes, and it's really important to note that vapes don't contain tobacco; they contain one extract of one chemical that is contained in tobacco and tomatoes and a whole variety of other vegetation out there. You are technically correct. The best kind of correct. I love being technically correct. <laughs> So, okay, I didn't even know that. I, I've found it interesting. Like, right, like when I went to the doctor back in like March or whatever, I told them I was switching to vaping because at the, at the time I was, and they actively said to me, uh, we would prefer, I would prefer you to continue smoking because we know what that's doing to you, but we don't have any idea what vaping does to people. Right. I want you to continue doing the deadliest thing on the planet next to Russian roulette. It's not that deadly. Yes, it is. Smoking is the deadliest thing going on in in the world right now. I mean, it makes atomic weapons look positively, uh, you know, youthful. I mean, I I don't know. (laughs) No. I think that's a bit hyperbolic. Look, look, I'm sorry. I, I wish sure, I, I'd been sitting deadly. in there with your doctor when he said this kind of stuff. You know, if you don't intend to live past 50, then yeah, go ahead and smoke. I mean, that, that's no exactly what I told Mark <laughs> earlier today while we were out there on the porch. Well, you sure, smoking takes years off your life, but they're the years at the end. Exactly. The, the part of, the, the they're part, the ones I don't want anyway. The part you don't mention here is, is that I don't believe you when you say... I don't intend to live past 50. Oh, you well, may hold not on. We have a discussion here. Now. Why don't you believe me? You may intend it now. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think you do intend it now, but it is a um, short-sighted and unlikely thing to believe when you're 50, right? Like 40, I won't get to 50 around. to find out. Well, that, I, we'll I don't want to tell you. this conversation again in t- 10 or 15, 20, 25. How, never mind. No, you know I, I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> I I find it uh, pointless to have the conversation because I believe you believe what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. I believe you're incorrect. Yeah. I I suspect Mark thinks you'll change your mind. Well, I mean, he essentially said that. Yes. So so vaping, uh, nicotine at least, isn't the issue here, presumably because you can buy it in stores. And it's the fact that these uh, THC liquids um, were being sold and bought on the black market. Perhaps they had this um, substance added to them to stretch out the supply in the same way that people used, you know, baking soda to stretch out their crack supplies or whatever. Yeah, it could right. be. That's could exactly be. What they're, they're cutting their products. But, um, you know, I guess what it really comes down to is if there was legalization, you wouldn't have had these problems. 
I mean, you're exactly yeah, right, because true. you don't have to worry about your aspirin being tainted with cyanide or whatever, because you can just walk into the store and buy it. And the quality right. control there of the free market but it sort of necessitates them not putting cyanide into their pill bottles. Right. If Walmart right. was selling these uh, cartridges, one could sue Walmart. Right. And Walmart doesn't want to be sued, so they're going to do some kind of quality control. Jordan, thank you so customers. much for the call. It's interesting. I was not aware that, you know, it was primarily that or only as we're hearing, you know, THC vapors that were having this consequence. I don't even like putting THC vaping and nicotine vaping in the same category of things, though. Yeah, they're they're really kind of not. I mean, even as far as I know, you can't even use the same equipment. No, nicotine vaping is all about it, it's the it's the suboxone of nicotine. Is what it is. Uh, it's it's your drug so that you can say, oh, well, look, I'm no longer a drug addict. Well, right. Yeah, you know, but I, you're still a drug addict. I'm yeah, still I, sucking down nicotine and I still need it. And if I don't, somebody's getting choked. <laughs> you know, I, I I did smoke. I smoked for 20 years and then I switched to vaping and then I gradually reduced the dose eventually to zero. And then I stopped doing I stopped vaping and I'm done. See, my issue with vaping is not just the name. I hate it. I hate that I ever ended up into the habit of calling it vaping in the first place. I always called it using a vapor device. Tedious and unwieldy though it is, I hate the word vaping. I hate the culture around vaping. I walked into... Oh, good God, yes. It's like Starbucks plus a tattoo shop. That Uh That's the the vaping culture, right? They they are hipster. I I can't continue describing it because I'll start dropping foul language. So let's not... But it's a combination of Starbucks and tattoo shops crammed into one place. I have walked into these places and met owners who had the word vape tattooed across them. I've got some pretty stupid tattoos. I did them myself while I was learning to do it, which is why they're stupid. But I have never been so dedicated to to a product that I was like, I need to get this tattooed on me. Can you imagine? That? And that's the kind of people that vape, you know. I, I used to think that, you know, you had to actually sign a contact contractual agreement when you started vaping that you would go out and find 10 smokers to harass every single week and say, have you tried vaping? Because that's what these lunatics do. They're crazy Starbucks powered lunatics who have too many vape tattoos going around finding every smoker out there minding their own freaking business and asking them, have you ever tried vaping? Have you met our Lord and Savior, the vape pen? Get this out of my face. <laughs> I uh, I think vaping is a great opportunity for smokers to uh, to quit. Having been an ex myself, I'm sure that I'm as annoying as they come uh, to, uh, to you know those that have not yet decided to quit. But... Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's not as hard as you think, and then vapor, vaporizers make it even easier than it was when I quit. I yeah. quit just before vaporizers came around, and I used uh, Chantex, which... My yeah. issue is that my lungs, as far as the actual vaping process goes, my lungs cannot handle the hits of the vapor devices. They make, they instantly make me cough. It's very unpleasant. Huh. And this This is comparative to... You know, sucking in literal smoke. Have you gone to a vape store and told them what your issue is? Yes, they initially okay. said that it was because I was allergic to PG, so they started giving me high VG, and then they said, "Oh, well, you're still experiencing it. Okay, well, your uh, your milligrams are too high, so let's cut you in half to twelve, and then to six, and even the three milligram does it. It's 
It's just a bad interaction just with as my much. lungs. Uh, yes. Okay. I, I can't take a good hit off a of vape like I can with a cigarette. And so now people are like, oh, well, you should try the jewels. And I'm like, did you, did you sign a contra- contractual agreement obligating you to come up to me and suggest that to me? No, I don't think they did. <laughs> be my guess. No. I, 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 I'm not so sure. I think there may you be You feel they're a little this, evangelical, you, you, huh? You, you, there's this black market cabal of people who just signed well, these contractual agreements. And once you, one of us, one of <laughs> us, and they can't stand it when you tell them, no, I'm not the, joining your stupid cult. There's cult something yes. religious <laughs> the cult about it. In the same way that Christians are only trying to save your soul because they want to save your soul. You're right? onto something here. And the vape people but only I, want to save your lungs because it works so well for them. Like their life, these people um, in both cases believe that their life is better now than it was before. And so you should experience that good stuff that they've experienced. All they're trying to do is share something good with you. Yeah, it works for me. And I mean, on a certain level, I can understand that, especially the, the Cambellian aspects of it. But at the same time, it's like, look, I'm, I'm sitting here outside work, smoking a cigarette on a break. Leave me the hell alone. <laughs> 855-450-3733. Again, that's 855-450-FREE, as in Free Talk Live. You're not a wild animal, and you shouldn't be tagged and tracked like one. Where you go and what you do every minute of the day, tracked and recorded by your mobile phone, is often more revealing than your browser history. And tech companies make a fortune selling your location history without your consent. Godard bags prevent location tracking and protect your privacy by instantly blocking all cell phone, GPS, and Wi-Fi signals to your mobile device. Plus, they're durable, water-resistant, and built for a lifetime of protection. Visit godardbags.com forward slash FTL. That's godardbags.com forward slash FTL. This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. Call in and take control of the airwaves with our toll-free numbers, 855-450-3733. With you tonight is Aria, Michael, and Mark. And it's, you may have heard a little bit of news about a, a little hurricane called Dorian that evidently ravaged the Bahamas. I, I've not watched this because I'm... An American, so I don't pay attention to things that happen. <laughs> oh, it's the truth. Um, I mean, like, it's not that uh, obviously Bahamian lives are worth uh, all that American lives are, but for some reason, I, you know, I, my, you know, just sort of viscerally, I've been taught, I guess, uh, you know, I've been socialized to think of those people that are 80 miles from Florida. As different and foreign and unimportant compared to, say, people who are farther away in San Diego, right? Like people in that's a good point. Bahamas are closer to me than the people in San Diego. Yeah, but for some reason, uh, I've been taught to care about the people in Jacksonville or whatever. Uh, whoo, dodged a bullet there. Everything's fine. I mean, Dorian just sat on top of as a Cat Four hurricane just sat on top of. Uh, these uh, folks in the Bahamas. And flattened it. See, my perspective is different because I also don't particularly care about the people in Jacksonville, Florida, (laughs) or San Diego. Hmm. Join the club. So destitute survivors of Hurricane Dorian, which did hit the Bahamas, who lost much of what they had to the powerful storm, packed a government office in the Bahamas on Monday, 
desperate for a document that could be their ticket off the overwhelmed islands, a clean criminal record. Now, the Bahamas, are they independent? What What is their government set up like? Does, what, do you, what do you mean independent? I mean, are they like Puerto Rico or are they like... Venezuela. Do they have their own government or like are they Venezuela. wards of the United States government? They okay. are their own country. They're their own country. They're not part of the U.S. Okay. Hoping to reach Florida, they took every available seat inside the stuffy criminal records office in the Capitol to request a piece of paper that, along with their passports, could free them to travel to the United States. Nobody knows where to turn. Nobody knows what to do, said Madeline Lewis, 19. Who'd like, who would like to stay with relatives in Miami and maybe find work? Try to start a new life and then go back to Abaco because that's our home. Well, it sounds like, um, you know, that's the reason that they don't want to let people in is just because, um, hey, let's go to America. There's a hurricane coming and not come back for a while. And it sounds but- like, you know. Uh, well, I would say, yes, absolutely, people should be evacuated, and it shouldn't matter whether what their criminal status is. It shouldn't matter in any of these things. Um, you know, get them over here. But um, I don't see the problem with them wanting to come over here, be productive members of society, and I don't have a problem leave. with that. I don't have a problem with it either. But that's what you know, everybody's worried about, right? Like, that's what the concern is, is that they're going to use the opportunity to come over here to stay. I mean, more power to so them. What? Let them stay. Uh, well, if they get jobs and they work, but... Um, well, if they don't, they should starve like every other organism that refuses to sustain its own existence. <laughs> Indeed. So some 200 miles away, people from the Bahamas were landing in Fort Lauderdale trying to figure out their next move. A cruise ship on a relief mission docked near West Palm Beach on Sunday with some 1,400 people from the Bahamian city of Freeport on board. The crisis, wrought by Dorian, which killed at least 45 people, and likely many more, has begun to be felt in earnest in Florida, with storm victims who own little more than the donated clothes on their backs arriving to seek respite, at least temporarily, from the utter ruin back home. Yeah, it is It is another ru- I have seen pictures of, of the devastation in the Bahamas. It's literally, when I said flattened, I meant it, because houses were flattened. I have not looked yet. They do have a link to it. I assume that's going to have the pictures and all of that, but I will just take your word for it. I I, I can imagine. I've seen know? some of them, but is all you have to do is say a Category 4 hurricane sat on top of the Bahamas for a while. And it was big, and it was slow. And, yeah, I mean, flattened is probably the best term to use for what happened. About 4,000 Bahamians have Bahamians. arrived— Bohemians? Bahamians, not Bohemians. Bahamians? Bahamians, that's what I said. Bahamians. I said Bahamians. Bahamians. Why would it be Bahamians? Because that's what it is. It's not Bahamian Islands. No, I'm sorry. I'm not making it up. I, I believe you, but I'm well, not going to say Florida, it that way. So we'll, well, I guess we'll have to defer to you, right? Okay. Yes, you do. I'm not. <laughs> 2,000 each of these Bahamians, Bahamians. arrived by air and by sea, <laughs> said Diane Sapatino, the head of Customs and Border Patrol in Border Protection Office in Miami, who is coordinating the response. Miami. Miami. No. Miami. Miami. (laughs) Now, people from Florida and people from Miami legitimately, uh, you know, like longtime residents, people whose family has been there for a long time, do actually say Miami. I don't care what Florida man says. (laughs) Just saying. The United States has a long history of allowing evacuees of natural disasters to enter the country, and many of them stay. 
Tens of thousands of people from Honduras and Nicaragua came to the United States after Hurricane Mitch in 1998. More fled El Salvador. And let me let me guess, is that El Salvador? El Salvador, yeah. Yeah. After earthquakes in 2001, and many Haitians or Haitians, right? Haitians. Haitians arrived in the aftermath of the 2010 earthquake. The one that, you know, the Clinton Foundation helped uh, enrich themselves off of while actually doing nothing to help the people of Haiti. That would never happen. Yeah. So the Minister of Tourism and Aviation in the Bahamas said the Bahamas said the government there did not exactly know how many people had left or relocated. I don't imagine they could keep track of those people at all. I, I imagine you... the government's defeated, right? Isn't this the sort of thing that defeats it, governments? It was defeated already. Yeah. I mean, the Bahamian government's a mess. The, the Bahamian? Bahamian government is a mess. <laughs> On Great Abaco Island, officials estimate that half the population of 20,000 has left for other places. Seems like a good idea with a Cat 4 hurricane's <laughs> I mean, bearing down on you. It was only a population of 20,000. That's smaller than the population here of Keene. Yes. Right? And uh, this was their entire island's population. Time to get out. And about half of those people are gone. There's no economic recovery there. The other 10,000 simply have to leave as well. Well, I mean, there is economic recovery, but it's going to take decades. I mean, now, you just lost half of the population. What you'll probably find, as uh, my guess, is that some people will, uh, some Americans will see real estate deals on the horizon. And they, opportunities, I don't mean deals in the sense, like discounts, uh, real sure. estate discounts. Ooh, yeah, good And point. so they're going to roll in with their cash. And then once they do, they want things like, electricity and water and things like that and so that you have to spread the wealth around to get that and you know then they'll be able to use those that that money to build things up good point evidently this guy the minister of tourism and aviation in the bahamas is a pretty decent state figure as far as state figures go saying i don't think the u.s should have any worry about the quantities of people that are coming in no those who are coming in are not going to become burdens to the state Oh, but that doesn't stop the U.S. from worrying about it. Well, it doesn't stop, yeah, and the jingoists over there, and generally in the Republicans, and the Democrats who are blind to the people who do want to come here to essentially leech off the state, they're just blinded in different ways. Most of the travelers— the Democrats want the free votes. Yes. And generally, if if somebody's coming to this country, they're coming from a poorer country, not a richer one. Poorer people tend to vote— more liberal, and by liberal I mean socialist, uh, social welfare programs. They want they want the free programs. Who doesn't want free money? And so, um, yeah, I mean, I can totally see why Republicans don't want people coming here and voting for the Democrats, and I can totally see why the Democrats want people here to come here and vote for them. I, I can too. So let's eliminate the voting apparatus and the state that it upholds. Well, let's just eliminate votes for uh, people who aren't U.S. citizens or naturalized. Uh, see, I can't I can't get on board with that. <laughs> why not? Because I, I, it's an arbitrary distinction. I, I don't care if somebody was born here or if they you know, walked 10 miles to get here or 10,000 miles to get here. Voting is all about arbitrary decisions. Yes, that's why I don't approve of it and no. think it should be dismantled. But fine, I think cease. it should be dismantled too, but it's not going to happen. Uh, we will have a president in 2020. Um, I'm, will we? Who's we? Yes, there will be a president of the United States of America in 2020. Yes. I'm going to continue hoping there won't be. Well, that's Pollyannish. It's what? Polyanish. Oh, sure. <laughs> Bahamian. 
This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. Call in and talk about whatever is on your mind. That number is 855-450-3733. With you tonight, it's Aria. Michael. And Mark. And we've been talking about the the Bahamas, who just got <laughs> ravaged by Hurricane Dorian, or Dorian. However, we're pronouncing things arbitrarily tonight, in case you missed the last segment, because Mark doesn't know how to pronounce things. Uh, the book. <laughs> People from the Bahamas are called Bahamian. I don't know what to tell you. I'm 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 totally not calling them that. Yeah. So uh, most of the travelers will be people. What do you call people from Mississippi besides rednecks? Mississippians. Okay. What 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 else would I call them? I don't know what you'd call them. I mean, I'd they, call they them are primarily rednecks. I mean, <laughs> rednecks. Yeah. There, there's certainly a lot of those. I'm just teasing. I'm from Florida, so you know. We have this uh, natural sort of southern rivalry. Uh, people from Mississippi, Alabama, and Georgia, you know, they all kind of rib each other about these sorts of things. Yeah. About which one is the largest redneck? <laughs> it, it's Alabama. I can answer that question definitively. <laughs> right. See, you being from Mississippi, you get to say it's from Alabama. Oh, it's absolutely Alabama. So most of the travelers uh, who – so the, Baham- the Bahamas got ravaged by this hurricane. Uh, flattened seems to be the appropriate descriptor. And a lot of them are understandably trying to get out of the Bahamas. So they're coming. I would have thought they were trying to get out before. I, I would have hoped so. But, you know, um, I, I imagine it's kind of difficult to evacuate an island in the kind of numbers that would have been necessary. So um, most bah- Bahamians, according to Mark, he added, probably need a little time away to catch themselves Take a hot bath, a good meal, and yeah. to determine what is next. Now that's that's the minister of travel and tourism or whatever from the Bahamas talking about how the people of the Bahamas, you know, they're they're hardworking. They're not coming there to mooch off the state. They might need a little bit of time to catch themselves. Understandably, I did when I moved to New Hampshire. It's jarring to do something like that, especially if the reason you're doing it is because your home just got smacked around by a hurricane and washed out to sea. Yeah. So the robust Bohemian community in South Florida, which has deep ties to the islands, has been eager to welcome the new arrivals. Right. And I suspect they want to give help. I, I imagine they do because people are generally good. And they're probably stupid, opening their good. homes for at least for a limited period of time to you know, offer assistance to these people. Yep. Sure. We saw the same thing in Mississippi after Hurricane Katrina. I worked as the I worked at a casino hotel at the time. We owned another property that was being renovated that we completely opened up the hotel the renovated one the the, the one being renovated or the yes. the new one the one. one you were working at uh the one being renovated they sent me over there to work at it but i didn't work there primarily uh, nobody okay. did except the construction crew but they had this newly renovated hotel that we weren't using for any other purpose because it was under construction uh all 900 ish rooms filled with people hmm. From Katrina. And that was not an unusual thing for any of the casinos there in Tunica, Mississippi to have done. They have 900 room hotels? I don't think it was 900. Okay. Um, I, I was thinking about the nine floors and averaging probably 100 floors per room, but it was actually probably closer to 40 okay. per, per floor. So, I Still mean, a big, big thing for Mississippi. Yeah. Certain, and, you know, nobody minded going over there to help out. So, ideally, yes, the Bahamian community in South Florida will be opening their doors for these people. But the rush to fill flights and ferries with storm survivors has raised questions about what immigration rules apply for Bahamians seeking refuge in the United States. Now, 
Let's take a moment to bask in the immorality on display here. Right. So these people's island, their and homeland. And the mispronunciation. What? And the mispronunciation. Yeah. The, the, poor, the poor people. Their island, their homeland was destroyed by this hurricane. And they're trying to come here to escape that, to build a better life for themselves in whatever form that may be, even if that is ultimately going back home. And we're like, what rules apply to these people who just lost everything and have nowhere to go. What can we do to keep these poor people from getting in? Law and order, ladies and gentlemen. Law and order. Indeed. Absolutely horrific. So President Trump told reporters in Washington on Monday that the United States needed to be cautious. Everybody needs totally proper documentation, he said. The Bahamas had some tremendous problems with people going to the Bahamas that weren't supposed to be there. What? Yes, like Jeffrey Epstein? Yeah. Maybe? No, Jeffrey yeah. Epstein went to uh, the uh, U.S. Virgin Islands. Yeah, he had his own I'm sure he there. went to the Bahamas sure more than did. once. Yeah, and that's your, your, what's your, one thing you're pointing out is, is that uh, for what there's this sort of double standard in many countries where the United States citizens can come in with no visa at all. Yeah. And just, you know, wander on in. But if they, you want to go from that country to the United States, you've got to fill out all kinds of paperwork. This was true of the Roman Empire back in the day as well. A Roman citizen could go anywhere in the world they wanted. Oh, yeah. But you couldn't simply walk into Rome in the same way that you, being a United States citizen, can essentially go anywhere in the world that you want. One wonders how you proved, in the ancient world, how you proved you were a Roman citizen. I have no idea. Right? I mean, I know. you know, it's... I'm sure it, they had some kind of way. If it was a tattoo, you just get the tattoo. If it's uh, papers, you just take their papers away. They're not a citizen anymore. Like, whatever it is, it's... I mean, it, it's it's not like you... It's not like you can tick, 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 pull up the computer and say, you know, the the, the centurion pulls up the uh, computer and says, oh, yes, you are a citizen. I don't know. No, well, definitely not that. Yeah. You know that's not true. So Mr. Trump did not mention any country by name, but many undocumented Haitians live in the Bahamas, particularly on Apico Islands. So, okay, so good on the Bahamas for allowing undocumented people to live there. I Let, suspect they just don't care as long as they have a job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's all we should care about. That That's all I care about. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I care whether or not they have a job is because if they don't, then the United States government is going to rob me to make me keep them alive. Pay for, pay for them, yeah. Yeah, and I don't approve of that. So, yes, uh, in that current system, I want them to have a job when they get here. That's how I feel, too. But let's... Or at er- the very least, get a job relatively quickly after getting here. But we, Yeah, but we don't have to make them get a job if there's no social welfare system. Reality, the universe, will make them get a job because they will get hungry. Right, is yeah. all you have to do is basically not hand out free stuff. Yeah, to uh, folks, and I mean, you know, I, I know the UN has refugee rules, but we shouldn't have those rules. Those those are dumb rules. Just handing out a bunch of free money to people shouldn't have it. So Trump says, "I don't want to allow churches people- will take care of those things. Don't worry." Yes, look, the Bahamian community in South Florida is is appears to be eager to let the Bahamian to take care of the Bahamians. Yeah, absolutely, let them do it. So Trump goes on to say, I don't want to allow people that weren't supposed to be in the Bahamas to come into the United States, including some very bad people and some very bad gang members and well, some very, he's gonna, very he's bad. He's going to be called racist for saying that. <laughs> well, he is. I mean, he, he wouldn't care if these people were from Greece. What? I don't know. Or the United Kingdom or Germany or Italy. Maybe, well, maybe might. a little from Italy because it's kind of Mediterranean. 
So they think it's pretty, pretty dark. I don't know. I mean, to me, he has to be racist in order to be racist. I, I'm not going to draw conclusions. I don't know. I, I think he's probably There are plenty racist. of white people from the Bahamas. True. And I'm sure that Trump has no objection to those people coming. They call them, well, that's, that's just your opinion on Trump. <laughs> it, it is, but there's good reason to think that. They call them conky Joes is what the, the nomenclature is for white people from uh, Bahamas. What do you think about the Bahamas? Should we allow these refugees in? 855-450-373. Do you have a crypto wealth advisor or coach? If so, has your cryptocurrency advisor been investing in technology stocks for over 20 years? Have they left the corporate world and retired? Or are they still trying to make a weekly paycheck? Have they produced six-figure results for their customers in the past 30 days? And very importantly, are they a member of the Digital Currency Council? Seth Maniscalco is the founder of Crypto Wealth Coach and CryptoWealthCoach.com. Seth invested in his first Roth IRA at 19 years old while living abroad and has been investing in Wall Street and technology for over 20 years with experience in all the money markets. By comparison, so many of these so-called crypto gurus have barely been alive for 20 years. Seth has not only experienced personal success from his own investments in crypto, he has also helped his clients earn six and seven figure incomes, including helping investors make over three quarters of a million dollars in EOS in 90 days and 1,225% in only five and a half months with Chainlink. Seth has helped for the small do-it-yourself guy on up to crypto whales. Increase your wealth. Visit CryptoWealthCoach.com. This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. Call in and talk about whatever you would like. That number is 855-450-3733. And with you tonight, it's Aria. Michael. And Mark. And we've been talking about the Bahamas and the Trump administration's typical line about how, you know, it's very bad people gang members and drug dealers and rapists and all these other things that, that are hanging out at a hurricane ravaged Bahamas <laughs> just waiting to come over to the United States on some kind of seaplane. Yes. Yeah. He, yeah. He's no. totally a lunatic, whether he's racist or not. Uh, he at least is a nationalist. Anyone who is not a naturally born American citizen, Donald Trump hates. And hate is probably a strong word. He certainly wants to make it difficult for them to come to the country. I would say he doesn't value them. In the, certainly in the same way, right? Yeah. Like it's it's transparent that uh, the value for American citizens is higher than it is for other types of citizens. Uh, I know that there are people out there saying, oh, there's no country in the history of the world that hasn't been able to survive without keeping in its borders intact, right? Have you heard this the shtick? No, but I mean, that's kind of, like, yes, let's get rid of these borders and let's let it destroy the United States. I mean, that well, that's a good plan. Let's go with that. Can we do that? Can we please do that? Yeah. Well, I, I would I'm say, in it. fact, that um, the United States did fine without the uh, tough borders it's had since the 1960s. Sure. I mean, so, prior to that, wasn't it constitutionally up to the states to decide their own naturalization and citizenship Naturalization process? was up to the U.S. government, but— um, Immigration was up to the states. Right. So uh, Whether okay. you could come in and work was up to the states. Strangely, believe it or not, non-citizens in many states, for, some, for plenty of the United States history, could vote— but they weren't necessarily naturalized U.S. citizens. Naturalization has been left up to the uh, um, 
the United States government. Citizenship isn't a term that was used until I think the 13th or 14th Amendment. So, you know, that's the that's 18, excuse me, 16, yeah, 1860s, and which is almost a full hundred years after the founding of the United States. Um, so it gets kind of murky in here as far as it goes. But I think that most people now consider the federal government, basically the federal government, which was supposed to be the organization that uh, took a federation of states, has, in, has now become a state. It is a country in and of itself. It was never meant to be that. No, but, it was meant to be more like the European Union. Well, and, the European Union is probably on the path to becoming more like the federal government. Too. Oh, it, yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. It's I mean. going down that road as fast as it can. Yes, yeah. as quickly as it can. Yeah. Let's go into the phones, however, once I can get this stuff out of my way. We've got Rod calling in from Maine. Rod, you are on Free Talk Live. Yo, 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 drag queen Jane. <laughs> LRN.FM. Anything we wanted to hear. So, anyway, thanks for the call. So, the confusion over who could come was highlighted over the weekend when 119 people from the Bahamas were ordered to get off a ferry bound for Florida because they did not have the necessary United States travel visas. Well, your papers? Your papers, please. Papers? This is 119 people trying to escape. Leave a disaster zone that can't go because they don't have the proper paperwork. Oh, we're not sure. Where's your Where's your birth certificate? There's just a her category for hurricane. I don't have it. <laughs> right. That uh, Something as flimsy as a birth certificate would be among the first things destroyed by a category for hurricane that just sort of sat on your home for a period of a few days. Well, let's give this another shot, getting back into the phones. We've got Jack calling from Jackson. Jack, you are on Free Talk Live. Hi, how are you guys doing? Hey, how are you going? What's on your mind? Doing well. Thank you. Uh, one of you said, I believe the name is Aria. Yeah, that's me. They believe that uh, Trump hates anybody from that is from another country that's not a natural-born U.S. citizen. Is that quite, Am I quoting you correctly? You are. I did clarify that he doesn't value them in the same way that he I values. You said hate, and hate is a strong word, and then you went on to say some other things. So, am I correct, though, that you said that? I, I said that, and then very quickly altered yes, it. Yes, Counselor, I believe you're <laughs> correct, sir. I'm trying to make sure we're on the same page here. Does he hate his wife, then? I mean, why would he marry a woman that he hates? Uh, because she. She was hot, and she was willing to sleep oh, with him so in return to get some of his money. And where do you get that information from? Uh, by the fact that she was a Russian mail order bride and prostitute and model. That she's a prostitute. What do you mean? So can you cite the sources of how you know these things about her? Not off the top of my head. I didn't think so. Okay. LRN.FM little thing called a dump button here look i very quickly rectified that statement right (laughs) i just wanted to get on and and harass you yeah you don't know that sufficiently like my favorite politician i don't know if she was a prostitute or not Uh, that's what you just said well okay i I say a lot of things okay i don't necessarily stand by them all right (laughs) once they come out of my mouth they're fair game okay so, but I mean, yeah, okay, yes, I will say that. I will stand by that. She is, she's not, she's not simply, she was not simply a prostitute in the past. She is a prostitute right now. How so? 
she is married to Donald Trump. She's not in love with him. He's not in love with her. He's How do you know this? She's getting because Look, I know it seems how to be a loveless marriage to me. Um, and you're calling her a prostitute in the sense that everybody's a prostitute, right? Like no, no, no. If there's love involved, that's not a prostitute. I, I will, I will gladly say that. But we're all trading something for something in this. Sure, story, sure. Right? this is just sex for money, right? Yes. How often does he even see her? I don't know. I don't know the intimate details of their I think marriage. She lives in New York, and he lives in Washington. But based on everything that I've seen from him not carrying his umbrella over her to all sorts not holding her hand to just little simple basic things like that that you could see Bush and his wife doing, Bush well, Jr. and his wife doing, Obama and his wife doing, even Bill and Bill and Hillary. They also didn't do this kind of nonsense. That they, Bill would not hold the umbrella for Hillary. It's because it's a loveless marriage. She was with him for political reasons. Ivanka, whatever her name is, is with Trump for financial reasons. I caught myself uh, this weekend walking with my wife, and I was on the uh, outside of the road as opposed to the inside. And I was taught as a young man that a gentleman walks on the inside of the road to prevent, you know, for a variety of reasons, but basically as a protection for his woman uh, from. Yeah, because you're going to stop the 2,000 pound vehicle. Whatever the reason is, right? The <laughs> splash of mud, perhaps, whatever it might be. And so I caught myself in a situation where I would have. You know, had the picture been taken and put on the Internet, I would have asked, and it was somebody else I'd been like, well, why weren't you on the correct side of the road? You know, why weren't you walking on the correct side of your wife? So, I mean, you know, what can happen? I'm shocked in a, that such a thing exists. Which, what can happen in a, in a moment and have a, and a picture taken is not indicative necessarily of the relationship is all I'm saying. This is, I don't know. I've seen the same pictures you're talking about. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't look to me. I, I bet you the media, who has been called out over and over and over and over again by Trump, is probably not particularly happy with him. And I'm going to go ahead and say that the mainstream media is a bunch of, uh, you know, dithering, uh, you know, they they uh, belie the term journalist. It's terrible what they what they uh, out there. They, they use the term journalist to describe themselves. You people aren't journalists. You don't even know what journalism is. And if Trump gives you trouble, good. I don't care. Like, they're angry at Trump. They want to portray him badly. And so they take some pictures that look bad. Fine. I don't care about any of that. I would agree. And I, I'm well, the thing is, certainly there are so not. so many of these pictures. Though. Yeah, yeah. There's a preponderance of them. So what? I'm not 100% certain of anything. But I'm saying based on what I've seen and observed, Trump does not love her and she does not love him. I don't know. He how, loves what, young, I, hot women and she loves money. I don't know what she loves. I don't know what their relationship is like. I'm not going to take any kind of wild uh, guess. I will say that Trump has, I will agree with you that Trump has uh, shown that he does not value other people uh, from other countries as much as he values United States citizens. But I will also admit that, sadly, I've been socialized into the same thing. He plays to jingoism, sure. Beyond that, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know that I'm ready to get on board. Is Trump's wife a prostitute? Let us know. 855 <laughs> This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. Uh, if you're quick, you can still get in on the line with us. That number is 855-450-3733. And with you tonight, it's Aria, Michael, and Mark. 
I want to thank the amplifiers, all of them, but specifically I'm going to thank Nathan Benson tonight. Nathan Benson is a silver amplifier, and Nathan, like you can, went to amp.freetalklive.com. That's A-M-P, amp.freetalklive.com. One would presume that Nathan amped the program because he values, I don't know, spreading the ideas of liberty or perhaps a place where people can call in and say what they want. Not just call in and say what they want. Or you just said some ridiculous stuff on the air. Uh, <laughs> anybody can do it. And then, you know, you call in and Free Talk Live upholds the sort of freedom of speech that nobody else does. It's amp, A-M-P, amp.freetalklive.com. If you value the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, or any of the amendments, Free Talk Live is the place you want to amp because we support them all. Let's get straight into the phones. We've got David calling from New Mexico. David, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, you just put me on because he said, speaking of saying ridiculous things on the air, didn't you? Yeah, well, that was the that was the plan. I think I'm the best at saying. I gave her the symbol for things. David. Yeah, are you? Get off that ferry, are you? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I am oh, I got not a refugee. Mark. I, I got one for Mark, too. Look, just heard that ad just a minute ago on, on hold, uh, looking for that edge during those intimate moments. It wasn't so... my voiceover. <laughs> <laughs> but they do say that, yes, in one of the ads, yes. Yeah, no, I, I keep getting uh, uh, paperless uh, illegals uh, coming into my property across my borderline almost every night. I can hear them outside chewing. You're talking about my, the cows. My, Sounds like cows. Yeah. Eating, yeah. Stuff that, eating stuff that doesn't belong to them. Yeah, they, they keep, uh, I put up well, a Well, to be fair, it's grass, and it doesn't belong to you either. <laughs> Maybe it does. Hmm. I mean, you yeah, can say no, it does. Guess, it, 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 it's, in my, it's in my political jurisdiction. It belongs to me, and they keep coming across my wall without papers. Is the United States government so about just, you belonging to them, therefore legitimate? What because you should you're do their political jurisdiction? is get that moo-doo of theirs and uh, mix it up and make some compost. I understand that the, uh, the value of compost is almost the value of beef. And it tastes uh, not quite as well, good. But, well, you don't uh, eat it. I'll, 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 I'll give it a try. Oh, you don't? That's wrong I'm talking about selling it to the Flatlanders. I guess they're all Flatlanders where you are. Selling it to the uh, city folk or whatever just uh, there at the uh, driveway. Well, they are selling it. That's where I got it. They said it was good stuff. I tried it. It didn't taste so good to me. <laughs> thanks for the call, David. Uh, David, thanks. Uh Let's get right back into the calls. We've got David from Jackson, I think, Missouri. Ja- David, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, Michigan. Jackson, Michigan. Michigan, sorry. Yeah, yeah no problem. Hey, I was just going to say, the, the whole thing about the Bahamas, it's a whole chain of islands there. I agree with Trump. Why don't they just go over to the next island that's still habitable? There's, not all the islands got damaged. Only the area where the hurricane parked itself over. Yeah, that got wiped out. Well, hey, um, right over there on the horizon, there's another island there, and everything's okay over there. Just go over there. Oh, no, no, we got to go to the United States. Yeah, we got to go all the way over the United States. I mean, that's like Hawaii. If you get a storm in Hawaii and it wipes out the uh, one of the islands, oh, well, son of a gun, we got to go to California now. Uh, no, there's an island right there on the other side of the horizon there that uh, everything's okay there. Let's well, go over there. A lot of oh, Hawaiians oh, leave, oh, and they're able to do that without too much trouble. Um, yeah, but and, and I think that and the concern still, Dor- Dorian is still going, and it's uh, hit Canada. 
It says, the latest news here, heavy rains and powerful winds have wiped out the power grid in areas of Nova Scotia. Yep, Nova Hundreds Scotia. Hundreds of thousands of people are without power there now. Well, Nova Scotia, well, we've got to go to the United States. We don't have any power. We're all wiped out. We should be so lucky. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I think it's, I think it's beautiful. Uh, the United States having a reputation as being the place people go when they're in trouble. Holy crap, man. Yes, that's the reputation yeah, I, I want. Sure. Sure. Here's what, I, hey, I think welfare, what's going on in Bahamas. Care, free everything. Well, well, I've already there shouldn't, be, a, there shouldn't be free anything. There's nothing's free in this world, and the idea of uh, having social welfare programs to to prop up bad behavior sounds ridiculous to me. Uh, but let's not forget that Customs and Border Patrol is just another social welfare program. So um, what I would say is is that probably the difference is the Bahamas. Uh, economy isn't nearly as well developed as the United States. So when a Cat 4 hurricane lands on, call it half the islands of the Bahamas, I don't know how many, and wipes out the economy there, it's going to affect the entire nation's economy. Um, The people that are running off to the Bahamas to do their vacationing are unlikely to do that this year. They're going to go to the British Virgin Islands or wherever they're going to go. And it doesn't matter where it hit. Um, they're, it's going to take them a while to, to come back, and the Bahamas exist almost entirely on tourist dollars. Excellent points. Uh, David, thank you so much for the call. Um, I love the idea of the United States having that exactly that reputation. Oh, oh no, let's not go to um, – let's go to the people who are most capable, most qualified, and most willing to help. Well, you know, that's what the whole the, – the, what's the name of that poem on the Statue of Liberty? Uh, the, the, the... New Colossus. New Colossus, right. That's what that's all about. Yeah, I agree with David, though. I I see his concerns that people are going to come here and get a bunch of free stuff. It's a very legitimate concern. The, the concern is is that because it's the concern, one has the concern because the concern because that has been what's happening all along, and the economy can only handle so much. Now, mostly, it's the United States government that is costing you the money, not. Some immigrants or some refugees or, you know, whatever. Like even if you take all the welfare out there, you know, money being given to people who didn't pay in or whatever, and you quantified that stuff up, it's going to pale in comparison to, you know, crappy programs like, you know, Social Security, which is... Well, uh, how about war? I mean, uh, that's $700 billion. Medicare, war... You know, these two things are an incredible amount of the U.S. economy, and nobody nobody's talking about getting rid of Medicare, where where uh, people right now who are receiving Medicare, retirees, paid in something like 33 cents on the dollar that they're receiving. That That is an unsustainable program. Obviously, unsustainable. I mean, but no. we're worried about some, uh, you know, a handful. There were 20,000 people being evacuated from this one community, 20,000. If one percent, two, five percent of these people were illegals, that is a handful of people that we're talking about. Yeah. Not nothing in comparison to real government programs that are really disastrous and really ripping you off. I mean, what is supposed to be the problem with illegals in the first place? That they didn't jump through all of the hoops that the United States government told them they had to jump yeah, through? Yeah, that's the problem. That's the issue. Yes, they did not so, fill out the proper paperwork. Well, the problem with that, though, so what is if, if we there got, aren't hoops to jump through in, in a lot of these cases. What if we just got rid of the hoops and say so you don't have to go through any hoops? Would it be a problem then? Because if the problem is, well, they're breaking the law, well, let's get rid of the law. Right. Well, that's the way I see it is, is that what we wanted. Every country throughout history has wanted 
two things until very recently. Those two things were population and land. Now, the United States and any other country now ceases to want those things. Do If the United States had the opportunity to annex uh, you know, some northern state of Mexico, I don't know what they all are, but I don't know, Chihuahua, right? Sure. Would it take it? Hell no, it wouldn't take it. And the reason it wouldn't take it is it'd be responsible for everybody who already lives on that land from a social welfare standpoint. You just had to suddenly start dishing out Medicaid and uh, welfare mm. to all those people that were on that land. So you think it's the rise of social welfare programs? Social welfare programs are what have changed the nature of the state. So now what the United States government does is it ships off money to countries around the world in order to, you know, I don't know, whatever whatever reason, it's just giving money away to countries. And also when it uh, goes and, you know, does its conquering, does its warlike stuff in the past – You'd go in there, you'd uh, you'd send in some settlers, and you'd begin to change the population. You'd do all kinds of stuff in order to annex this place. But no, we don't do that now. We're talking about getting out of Afghanistan. Well, why? Longest war in U.S. history. It's been a disaster. It's because this this new system out there is completely unprofitable. It's only profitable for the military-industrial complex. I'm not worried about a handful of uh, immigrants coming and sneaking in from the Bahamas, especially if uh, you know they're they're working. What I'm worried about is the United States government blowing my great-grandchildren's money. Because it's already blown my children's and my grandchildren's money. Oh, yeah. It's gone. Forget that. I mean, if you don't Excellent believe points. it. points. <laughs> we're still paying on uh, debt on, uh, you know, the Civil War. Wow. The United States Civil War, there's still debt remaining from it. Still paying interest on it. That's the state for you. Excellent points, Mark. I never thought about the social wel- welfare and how it, it changed the nature of the state as we know it. Go check out the show archives. Of course, this show will be up shortly at freetalklive.com. We have archives back going back 10 years there. All right. It's another edition of the Edgington Post Show. I am Mark Edge, and I have one of my favorites. Everybody's allowed to have favorites in this business. And one of my favorites is Ben Powell. Uh, ben Powell, you're, I don't know where you're professoring these days, but you're an economist. I am. I'm, I'm professoring at uh, Texas Tech University, where I run a group called the Free Market Institute. And uh, you know, and thank you for your service, sir. Um, speaking of your service, it looks like you've been spreading your service around a little bit recently. Uh, your new book is called Socialism Sucks. I'm all on board with that. Then the byline is, two economists drink their way through the free world? The, the unfree world. The yeah. unfree world. Okay, well, tell me about it. Well, we started this project a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, this was when we, after the 2016 elections and you had heard, you know, Bernie Sanders success and these polls start coming out saying more and more young people are identifying with socialism. And we thought, what the hell can they be thinking? We'd like to try to write something that's not one of our boring journal articles that reaches more normal people. Right. uh, This is scary stuff. I mean, really young people, for whatever reason, like the idea of socialism. I think that reason might be that they don't want to pay for the exorbitant rates the college has uh, skyrocketed to. Well, there's some of that, and there's a whole lot of misunderstanding with them. So we wrote the book to try to clear up some misunderstanding. It's also the case that my co-author, Bob Lawson, wanted to get drunk in Cuba, and uh, I wanted to find a way to write it off my taxes. So we said, I'm, well, I'm with we'll you. Try we'll, we'll write that up as our test chapter, and then if it goes well, we'll travel the rest of the world and write this up kind of a Anthony Bourdain meets Milton Friedman-style uh, travel log econ history book okay so 
What happens with these? Uh, what, what was it like drinking your way through the unfree world? Well, it turns out that actually we didn't really intend for this when we started, but the beer works like a metaphor throughout the entire book. Uh, so it's not just our, our carousing, but also it's uh, kind of a descriptive of how these economies function, of how their beer is. So, I mean, worst case scenario, Venezuela. Yep. This place ran out. Of, this place ran out of beer, Mark. Oh no, that's, that's really not acceptable. <laughs> I, you know, if I were the socialist dictator, like toilet paper and beer, these are like the things I would make sure to come first. Yeah. But uh, Venezuela, the way it works is that the, there's a nominally private company, Polar. But the government uh, planners allocate the foreign exchange. So they didn't have enough foreign exchange to import barley, no barley, no beer, no beer, beer shortage nationally because it's a monopoly producer. Uh, but this is also representative of the general chaos and collapse in food production in Venezuela, where the average person lost 19 to 24 pounds or so the last couple of years. Uh, and it wasn't because they all discovered Jenny Craig. Right. So <laughs> what we saw happening with beer there is what was happening overall in the economy. And this is true as we travel to other countries. Uh, in Cuba, Cuba's kind of like chugging along subsistence socialism. Uh, and they have beer. They haven't run out recently. But they have two types, uh, Cristal and Bucanero. Both are like five, around 5% plus or minus a half percent of alcohol. And they both taste like a Budweiser that you left out in the sun too long. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to guess. Yeah, but, you know, that's also like the rest of the Cuban economy. You don't see any variety. You can go into a convenience store and you might see 24 distinct products. There'll be one type of cola. I call it commie cola. That's not its real name. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when Bernie Sanders says, why do you need 17 types of deodorant? Right. Uh, when you look at Cuba, it's not 17. It's You get one type of most things, two right. types of beer that are basically the same. That's what so he's looking right. for. That's what he wants. He goes, right. he goes into the, uh, the, the deodorant aisle at the local Walmart the couple of times that he has to do the shopping at his household, you know, the couple of times a year that he's got to go in there. And he's like, I, I don't know what to do. There's, there's, too, there's too many deodorants here. What, where, where's my Mitchum? <laughs> well, unfortunately, I mean, something is like deodorant. Uh, you know, it's interesting he chooses that for most of us to kind of like, yeah, I just use one type and I use it all the time. But I don't know about you. I don't drink one type of beer. I switch a lot. And uh, in Cuba, when it comes to food, too, uh, you know, socialism is state ownership of the means of production. So the state owns most of the restaurants, the hotels. And uh, there's now some small private restaurants in Cuba. Uh, and they try really hard, unlike the state restaurants, which just suck. Uh, <laughs> but it's still the case that you got about the same dozen, maybe 18 items on every restaurant's menu because they all deal with the same state supply chain. Cuba food, Cuban food in Cuba sucks. Cuban food in Miami is awesome. Yeah. What is a crappy ham and cheese sandwich in Cuba is a delicious Cuban sandwich in Miami. Right. Um, so, you know, when they say only you know 17 types of deodorant versus one, well, what about, you know, only 17 things to eat? And now this also is from the perspective of a relatively wealthy Westerner spending limited time there. The poor Cubans who live under this system have even worse choices. Right, um, right. They're not going to the restaurants and uh, and, and eating their way through um, each of these restaurants and all 17 choices. No, they're not starving like in Venezuela, but they're still desperately poor. And even worse is, of course, the North Koreans. Uh, so there, the North Korean beer is god-awful. Uh, imagine the worst <laughs> type of malt liquor you've ever had. You went to North work. Korea? <laughs> Well, we kind of skirted around on North Korea because okay. the wives told us we couldn't get imprisoned or killed while we were writing this. So for North Korea, we've spent some time in South Korea, but then more interesting, we went up 
uh, to Dandong, China, on the North Korean border, and the Yalu River that separates China and North Korea. And we went okay. up and down the river there, uh, talking to people, looking into Korea, uh, Korea doing some trading. And uh, the the beer, my co-author, his line was something like, I guess if I lived there, I would drink it, and I would hope that it kills me before the state does. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, the, I bet for your show, Mark, you had a lot of listeners who are libertarian types. They probably Googled and seen like the satellite image at night of, of the Korean peninsula. Yes. You see the bottom lit up like the Christmas tree. The, the, the north is all dark except for the capital. You know, it struck on the, from ground level, you see it, too. When we went to Dandong, checked into my hotel room on like the 20th story or so, look across the river. There's nothing there that night. You can't see a thing. Next morning, look across. There's a city of 300,000 people there. Um kind of striking seeing it firsthand from ground level like that yeah it's it's amazing um so what was the beer like there um in north korea hideous yeah uh, in fact uh we tried to we have i had anything like it i mean we're talking natty ice here or what oh no natty ice is wonderful compared to this shit <laughs> oh, uh the, the the pick like a malt liquor you'd get at the store and make it worse than that we we were in studio with uh matt kibbe uh couple months ago and we brought one of the cans of north korean beer that we had in there we, <laughs> i bet matt loved that <laughs> yeah, he felt very special he uh he bob and i uh split it up and between the three of us we couldn't get through the damn thing god uh, and i never have that problem you know when i walk into a bar and there's a bunch of taps to choose from and someone says uh, well, what would you like and i'll say oh, i'll try and say whatever then they want to give me one of these little one ounce things no 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 give me a whole beer i can drink a whole beer of anything I'm not true of this shit <laughs> uh, but meanwhile the alcohol still works as a metaphor in other places so we went to sweden too and that chapter is called not socialism sweden uh and it's because you know they have a big welfare state and high taxes and right i think lots of problems with high taxes and big welfare state but that doesn't equate to state owning the means of production. Right. It's so this is the this is the fundamental problem that I'm having these days. And, uh, you know, it's funny talking to socialist types uh, because they'll be they'll really dance around this issue. They'll say Venezuela, not socialism. Uh, they'll say uh, Sweden or Denmark or wherever socialism. And it, then you get into, OK, well, um, Socratic method requires that we define our terms. Could we define socialism before we go any further? Um, so, you know, you get uh, you get you, then you go through this long song and dance where they don't want to say socialism is state ownership of the means of production because, well, that's not what's going on in Sweden and Denmark. What they want to do is call it a democratic socialism, whatever that means, as though socialism was instituted democratically by the people and you know, somehow they all just came to this conclusion. Well, that's not what's going on here either. This whatever, you know, this is a this is a social this is a robust social welfare state is the best terminology I can come up with. It's a capitalist system with a big welfare state. Yep. That's Sweden, that's Norway, that's Denmark. If you look at the economic freedom of the world rankings, all of these countries rank very highly in economic freedom, i.e. capitalism. Now, the big welfare state slows down growth. Sweden used to be the fourth wealthiest country in the world. It's now the bottom half of the OECD countries. Those things have bad consequences. And for the beer, the beer selection is great, but it costs a hell of a lot because they tax the bejesus out of it, just like they tax everything else. Uh, but I think when I, so the last chapter in the book, we went to the biggest socialist gathering in the United States. So the last chapter is called Back in the USSA. And uh, <laughs> we go there and uh, interview a lot of these young 
particularly young people and ask them what is attracted to them about socialism. And there's kind of two things that I learned from these kids, a huge number of them, maybe half, don't mean real socialism. As no, they don't mean real socialism. Ben, ben, just hold on just one second. Uh, we've got to go. Uh, you know, we got to go. Thank you for listening to Free Talk Live. But um, if you want to hear the rest of this interview with Ben Powell, the economist and the author of, author of Socialism Sucks, please go to archives.freetalklive.com. That's archives.freetalklive.com. Look up the month of August and... Well, obviously, August 2019, if you're hearing this later. And just search Ben Powell. That's Ben Powell at archives.freetalklive.com. Then we're back with Ben Powell from Socialism Sucks. Uh, ben, I'm sorry I interrupted you. You were talking about the, uh, what, back in the USSA and your this gathering of young people? Yeah, sure, Mark. Uh, the, a whole bunch of them there were just... Uh, far left of the Democratic Party on <laughs> pick your, your your issue. There's a Whether lot of that going around right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Environment, gender rights, uh, pick police brutality, migration, pick something. And somehow they think socialism is the answer to it. Yeah. But they don't actually even understand, let alone mean, real socialism. Uh, and I think that's a tremendous opportunity for us who believe in liberty uh, because a lot of these people, some of them, you know, people who are for Bernie Sanders now, a lot of them used to be for Ron Paul. Yeah. Uh, they, they want a change. Against, yeah. Raging against the machine that is crony capitalism and D.C. in favor. And now they just have the wrong policy answer. They like the rage from Ron Paul. Policy answer was liberty. They like the rage from Bernie and somehow their answer is more big government. So I think we need to reach them better because a lot of them on issues like uh, immigration and stuff. I actually, I actually agree with them. Uh, that we should be allowing more immigrants in. But that's part of capitalism is not uh, having government planning our international labor market. Uh, And a a number of these other issues when it comes to police brutality and Black Lives Matter and a bunch of issues like that. Socialism's not the answer. But then there's the other group of them, and there's a lot of these, that do mean real socialism, abolishing private property and the means of production. But they want democratic socialism where this magic word democratic means because every other socialist regime has been a totalitarian hell, that's not real socialism. Right. And, and you know, uh, when, when you find these folks on Facebook, and I do, and, uh, you know, you, you'll find some uh, misinformed gobbledygook that they say, whatever it might be, and you just pop in with a, you know, little statement about how, yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me, you know, and here's some examples and here's a citation and these kind of things. They gang up on you like it's a, oh my God, it's like this this pile of people coming in. And I'm like, holy mackerel, what's going on here? And they, I mean, A, so, uh, Facebook is no place to have a conversation at all. I've been running a nationally syndicated radio program on 200 radio stations across the United States. By the way, I got to bleep you twice, pal. Um, and and um, <laughs> I can't get these people to call in to save my life. I have never in like 15, going on 20 years now, never had a feminist call in. I, you know, I mean, I've had one vegan one time, you know, and a few you're you're smattering of uh, young men who are dabbling in communism and, and, and socialism. And, you know, their favorite trick is to have read a few books and then be like, well, have you read this guy or 
that guy. And I'm like, no, I don't spend my time reading socialist authors. Um, you know, sometimes they'll come up with, uh, you know, Kierkegaard or something. And, and then, yeah, okay, I have read that because now you're getting into the sphere that I'm, uh, you know, have some kind of desire to know more about. But, um, you know, Kropotkin, whatever it might be. But, you know, in, in I just don't spend a lot of time going through these things. And that's how they, they act like they've defeated you. Well, I've read more books. Well, by God, let's make you president. Make him president. Yeah, then he'll realize how hard it is. <laughs> what most of them seem to miss is the necessary connection between the lack of economic freedom and the, the totalitarian regime that follows. They seem to think that there can be this some sort of socialism from below that's different. And... Sometimes I get the feeling from the, their version of socialists below, they say, well, the workers will just decide what to produce. We don't need a central plan. Like their hippie commune ain't going to make an iPhone. Right. They're, forget it. They're, once you lose prices to coordinate economic activity through profit and loss, you've got to coordinate. Otherwise, you're living a subsistence lifestyle. So to coordinate at least somewhat, you have a central plan. But because of the problems with socialism, both incentive and information, you're always going to have economic stagnation and People, if they are free to vote, are going to throw you out of office, have high employment, high unemployment, high inflation. That's a recipe to not get reelected. Right. Except once you centralize power with central planning, you now have the ability to crack down and use political repression. And this is exactly what we saw evolve in Venezuela. That started as democratic socialism. And now it's just merely socialism uh, as the government uh, threatens to fire people from their state jobs if they don't vote for the government, uh, hands out food aid at the polling places represses the other parties. And this happens in everyone. Hayek explained this back the road to serfdom. Uh, and so did Milton Friedman in Capitalism and Freedom. And these young democratic socialists seem to think that they can just wish for a democratic socialism that makes them not uh, liable to the arguments about all of the other ones that have come before them. Yeah, it's it's amazing, but they continue to think that this system is going to work. Um, I mean, one thing that I find interesting is is that I sort of define a conservative as a person who harkens back to a time when things were better. Um, but that's kind of what we're doing now with the older socialists. Um, you know, they they now say, you know, hey, things were better with labor unions and those kind of things. And I'm not look. Labor unions have done some good things. They've also gotten in bed with the government and managed to make themselves monopoly providers. So that's a bad thing. I, I would never claim that, you know, people getting together in a club and talking about their particular issues or whatever um, is a bad thing. But, uh, you know, it can it, once you start inserting the state, this organization that claims a monopoly privilege over the use of violence in a given landmass, that's when we're going to have some problems. And, um, you know, I don't know. It's uh, it's so confusing here <laughs> with dealing with these folks. Yeah, I mean, I, I uh, think that unions should be free to, to collectively bargain if they want to on behalf of people who voluntarily join them. But even even within that, though, I mean, the fundamental way that unions benefit their members is by restricting labor supply into the group. Uh, so to harken back and say unions were causing some sort of generalized prosperity rather than a benefit to just its members at the expense of the rest of society, um, I think is mistaken. And I also think that, you know, there's plenty of problems in our system in the United States today, but uh, give me or any reasonable person the opportunity to go back and live in a prior time in the United States, be it 30 years ago, 50 years or 100 years ago, uh, where we're living way better today than we have in the past. 
Right. I mean, just the just I mean, the, the the communications that we have currently, I mean, you're able to be wherever you are right now. And I'm you know here in southwest New Hampshire and, you know, we're talking and doing an interview and I'm able to provide this completely free to anybody who wants to listen to it. And thousands of people will. And you, you never had anything like that. It was newspapers and that was the best you had for communication. Just barely in communication, as it turns out today, but we we got it done. <laughs> right. Well, we are pulling it off. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, what did uh, as far as socialism uh, sucks and you guys managing managing to drink your way across the world? What did what conclusions did we come to from this uh, this book? Uh, well, part of it's in the title. And that's <laughs> the most it sucks. Uh, but the other thing, I mean, that we do show. I mean, I told you a little bit about the the young socialists we encounter, uh, but also seeing reform and success. So we also traveled to the Republic of Georgia that used to be a, a Soviet satellite. Yep. And they had essentially no reform for a decade. Then starting in the mid 2000s with the Rose Revolution, they did dramatic economic reforms. Their finance minister was essentially a Rothbardian libertarian. Uh, and they, uh, you know, it wasn't a full Rothbardian program, but this guy pushed as hard as he could. And he got massive privatization that was transparent in auctions. Uh, he fired whole bureaucracies, slashed government spending and tax rates. And uh, the uh, country turned around and has been booming since. And it's also obvious in its wine industry, too, if we're going to keep the alcohol metaphor. It's not so much beer there. But Georgia was a big producer of Soviet wine because the Soviet central planners were commies, not idiots. They understood that Georgia was better than, say, Siberia at making wine. Uh, but they mass produced swill, uh, <laughs> international grapes on, you know, Cabernet, Merlot, things people are familiar with on fertile farmland. That doesn't make for good wine. So since their radical capitalist reforms, it's all been torn up. They've gone to traditional winemaking using Georgian grapes, kind of a great place to to wine tour now. And that's reflective of what's going on in the Georgian economy overall. And here's the cool thing. They shot up from being like unranked former Soviet Republic to top tenant economic freedom in the world now. Wow. They're, uh, in fact, at one point they were ranked higher than the United States in economic freedom recently. Yeah, I did uh, see Georgia it, actually beating, uh, on, I think it was the heritage list um, that they were beating. Uh, them. For, I don't know about the heritage list. We're going to use the Fraser list because that's the one my co-author uh, is also co-author of. <laughs> Maybe it was the Fraser list. Um, I I tend to get these confused because there's about, uh, there's about three different charts out there that rank economic freedom. And as hard as it is to rank freedom, um, it, like economic freedom is probably the easiest freedoms to rank. And it's hard, you know, to just sort of take these aggregates and, and these kind of things. And, um, you know, they, they Georgia did show up relatively recently higher than uh, the United States. The United States, I mean, it almost slipped out of the top 20. I think it moved up a little bit this year on the Fraser, Fraser chart. I think it went from like 18 to 17 or something. I can't remember. Yeah. So what I'd say, actually, for your listeners, Mark, particularly the, the more libertarian leaning ones who might have come to this extended part of the show, uh, what they'll find in Socialism Sucks uh, is an amusing romp through the unfree world. And for those who are, already believe that socialism does suck, they'll learn things like the success story of Georgia that they might not have heard about, get some more insights talking to the leftists who actually support socialism. But they'll also learn a whole lot of history, whether it be from the Great Leap Forward under Mao or the cover-up of the uh, famine in the Ukraine, uh, about the different atrocities that happened under these regimes, or Che Guevara's history, or a whole bunch of other factoids that, that they just, uh, you know, 
might generally be on board for, but not know the details of it. Hopefully they'll uh, have a pint of beer or or 14 while uh, while reading it. <laughs> it can take a little while to get through these things. You you don't want to you want to pace yourself. So <laughs> the only thing the only problem I have with this book, Ben, is that I didn't get to go on the trip with you. I think that would have been a blast. <laughs> but I guess I can now. For the sequel, I'll have to give it a try, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) I can just read the book and enjoy. I can imagine I was there. Um, Where do folks find it? Uh, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, bookstores near you. It's, It's released and it's everywhere right now. Excellent. Ben Powell, thank you so much for taking some time with me. I really appreciate it every time that you, you know, spend just a little time here on Free Talk Live distributing your uh, wisdom that's usually reserved for sort of the masses, the unwashed masses. But here you are talking to the libertarians, and I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Cheers.